Good to have you along. Here it is, three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop. Glad you're making us a part of your day. So much to get to here on the show. Of course, the ever-changing, uh, you know, college football landscape. We'll get to that. And, of course, uh, it's it changes day to day. I, I had to laugh today, Ben, because you get stuff put out there, and it's like, well, you have to at least check it out because, I mean, who the heck knows at this point what's uh, believable and what's not. So you had a an account <laughs> that got everybody in a tizzy today that apparently covers – Swimming, of all things, saying that the SEC was talking to a number of schools, named some schools, and I was like, yeah, they're, they're working on the buyout of, uh, of, uh, of getting them. I'm like, come on, come on. Let, yeah, let's just, uh, let's just calm down and, and, and let this all. Uh, oh, he got, oh he, got, he got some people up in August. Oh, yeah. You, got people coming you know what saying, I'm talking about. I don't want to give you. No, they're they not negotiating. I like how they say that's ridiculous. Uh, no, nothing is outside of the realm of possibility. It's just not happening today. But it's yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, given everything is happening, because if, if you would have, I mean, again, when it came out a week ago that mm-hmm. Southern Cal and UCLA mm-hmm. were going to the Big Ten, mm-hmm. I'm sure 90% of the people, when they first read that, go, come on. Come on, let, let me Let me check this out. This is some troll doing it. Oh, they, so, said, they, I mean, they, they said the troll wasn't real, and then when the troll walked off, you was like, this, <laughs> let me check this real And then, you know, not realizing that the troll is actually looking at you, look at your phone, you look up yeah. and go, so you thought I was lying. He's like, well, dude, you cry wolf a lot. Yeah, well. I'm telling the truth this time. Yeah, that's what, you know. And so the ever-changing landscape of, of college football, we'll talk to Matt Smith about that, southernpigskin.com. And uh, Matt's a guy that has been kind of a traditionalist in the sense of he really enjoys the rivalries and the annual matchups and things of that nature. And he was not for uh, the playoffs. And I know a lot of people say, well, maybe the playoffs are facilitating some of this because you want more teams involved. Consolidation means you get better teams in, uh, et cetera. But – We'll get his thoughts on that, on the changing landscape of college football, what it means to uh, the future of college football. Matt, in full disclosure, Ben, is a Notre Dame uh, graduate. So we'll ask him about Notre Dame's role uh, coming up in uh, whatever they decide to do. So we're looking forward to, uh, to, to, to that. SEC media days are in two weeks. That's going to be wild. Uh, and more. I think we even I, I even brought this up, so if folks are interested – in take three, we have a tennis question. Like we never talk tennis on the show, and I will say we will do very little of it today. But I do have a but I do have a tennis question yeah. uh, in there, Ben. So that gives you a little something to look ahead to uh, when we come up on the show. But yeah, college football, man, it's it's going to stay fr- front and center until we get games coming up. Hey, who's leaving? It's the Jerry Maguire moment. Who's coming with me? Who's coming with me? Uh, you know, and and I think that's where we're at uh, because. I think there's 30, see, 32 teams, right? 32 teams that feel good about the direction of college football. They do. They have no complaint. They, <laughs> they, look, they, they, they feel real good. Like, man, what's wrong with y'all? I mean, everything is fine. Yeah, is y'all, are, y'all are all singing we, doom and gloom. If we was already treading water. Now the boat is full of it, and we are sinking. <laughs> I'm sorry that y'all on this nice cruise ship looking at us like, what's the problem? Yeah. What do you mean what the problem is? Everybody else is looking <laughs> for a raft. If, 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 if a storm comes, they just tell y'all to go to your rooms. Us, we try to get off the water too late. We're done. No, Kevin, the thing about college, the college football, because let's call it, you got college football and you got college athletics. College football runs everything in college athletics. I think what college football is finally realizing is, okay, everything has a moment in time. Everything has its place. And look at everything that's happened, though. College football just happens to be coming back. 
You know, the game, it just happens to be coming back. NIL, transfer portal, the 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 reputation and uh, you know, of these colleges and universities, the 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 recognition of these head coaches. And now you're saying, okay, let's just call it what it is. There's a certain part of the country that college football, it matters. It just doesn't matter as much in other places. So what these so what these teams are doing is saying, look. Look at look at our average look at our average uh you know a viewership compared to these other teams. Look at look at look at the top games, not just in 2021, 2020, 2019. Look at the draft. Yeah. Everything seems to be pointing to a certain part of the country. And they're saying, okay, because know this. I can guarantee you this. They're not gonna do it. They've already talked to the TV people. They've already talked to the advertisers, they've already talked to the marketers. They've already said they're in line, right? So they said it's a go. Because once the money said it's a go, it's a go. I just think that now, Kevin, there are brands that are big brands. But big to you, geographically, is not big, you know, in other places. So we're going to see this this thing is far from over because certain people's phone is not going to ring. That's the problem. We're talking about 32 teams. There are going to be teams saying, hey, dude, did they call you yesterday? Yeah, did you check your – yeah, your cell phone and everything's still working. We got the – Fax machine still working, email still working. They ain't biting. The mere fact that Rick Warren called Notre Dame, Notre Dame said, nope. That's <laughs> a big slap in the face because UW in Oregon called you and you told them no. No, we went on Notre Dame. So now what, Rick? I just think that, Kevin, this thing is going to get even crazier because to those salvageable conferences, who do they get to make sure that we maintain who we are. We're not going to look how we've looked, but who do we get? So I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing yeah. it. I, I just think that, uh, you know, there's a conference out there that if you ever want to pull teams from or add teams to, <coughs> it is called the Sun Belt. And I know people think, don't nobody want to play in the Sun Belt. No, you don't want to play against the Sun Belt. Because I know, Kevin, right now, which that, that's a definitely a topic for down the road. I know it's about the Big Ten, ACC, SEC. All right. Well, I mean, look, we'll see. Well, the remnants of a, of a disastrous ACC. I mean, if the ACC gets shredded, uh, you know, it could be, it could be getting to some. But look, I, I, I just look at uh, where this thing's going. And consolidation appears to be like it's just what's going to happen. And there's going to be some programs left on the outside. My thing is been that I, I find a interesting take. Uh, as people have said this. We're the SEC just going to kick out Vanderbilt and Big Ten, Northwestern, and Rutgers and some of those schools. And I want to tell those people, just think about that for two seconds. Vanderbilt is going no place. No. Rutgers is going no place. No. Northwestern is going no place. No. You know why? Dubs. Teams need dubs. If you're going to form a Super League, somebody's got to be the snack food. And unfortunately, it is Vanderbilt. I'm not W. No, no, no. Like, sorry. Here's your check. You in in those mega conference situations. If you got to play somebody, congratulations, Vanderbilt. You became UAB. What do you mean? You're in the league. We are essentially paying you off with annual royalties, right? To take an L. Yeah. That's what. That's what. Occasionally, you might beat one of us, but we are paying you money I mean, to we, take listen, an L. We, listen, we all we we all work for a major marketing company. <laughs> you are last in sales every year. Yet. Now, you get to come to the media, they'll say, oh, let's get the media started off. Let's start from the bottom. Vandy, look, man, y'all, all right, let's move on. But <laughs> check this out, though. Kevin, but you say this, though. 
What Vanderbilt lacks in football season. Oh, they make it up in the spring. Can Rutgers say that? No. Can Northwestern say So what Vanderbilt isn't in football, oh, you don't – oh, oh, they walking around with their chest out in baseball season. So they – because then, Kevin, because after football season, it's about who's on – who who's getting the clicks, who's getting the viewership. Oh, SEC baseball, and I know Ole Miss won it this year and Mississippi State won it last year. Yeah, but a lot of those kids no, – I understand you got – so I, I get that part. And like I said, too, Kevin, you, you keep on coming back to the fact that, look – Everybody said, what about Vanderbilt? Look, sometimes it's just good to be a part of the family. Sure. You know, you, you know you've been the doormat a long time, bro. We've been dealing with this a long time, homie. Long time, right? I'm just saying it's 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 just simple. But at the end of the day. I, I'm saying if you're if you're Georgia and, and Alabama and all that, you're saying, so if we kick out Vanderbilt and we bring in Clemson, it's like, okay, you have made the league really, really tough. Or we could just let Vandy stay, give him their fifty million, and hey. It's going to be 60 to 3. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, fine. Yeah. Oh, make no mistake about it. <laughs> so, make no mistake about it. I mean, it. they want teams that can, can soak is, up L's. That's the best no position question. to be in is to be needed and not want it. <laughs> oh, we need them. No, no. We, no, no. We want Clemson. We don't need Clemson needs us. We want them, right? Right. We, you know, but at the same time, right? Don't li, li, listen, Nat, listen. <clears throat> Clemson, South Carolina, Nashville, Tennessee. But at the same yeah, I mean, at the same time, I mean, Alabama's like, listen. We want a tough league, so we can bring in the most money. But at the same time, oh yeah, no, no, we gotta get some wins. We gotta get some wins around here. Clemson and Georgia, you know, Clemson and Miami, Florida State laugh. They got Vanderbilt, <laughs> Alabama. Whoa, 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 whoa! That's my brother over there. Man. Yeah, like, like, what you doing? Vanderbilt is tough. Yeah, like, hold on, number one, number one. <laughs> Vanderbilt plays. Gr- their academic standards are ridiculous. Well, what about what you guys playing? That's different. I can talk about my family members. You cannot. So sometimes, Kevin, it's almost good to already be in the club. Then they have to pay a membership. Cause Clemson, the last, you know, you know what makes Clemson little less, you know, of a team that the SEC wants. They want them. It's all about how recent you've done something. And I know they went ten and three. They didn't win. They. I'm telling you, all that stuff matters. Dabo don't like really almost not being a part of a conference. But it was always <laughs> ACC. They don't got this. ACC don't got that. Hey man, if you are, if you say, hey man, bring your own guts. We love competition. Come on. Cause, I, like we said, Kevin, that stuff sounds good. They'll say, hey, uh, as Greg Sankey is on the phone. I'm not here. You're on speaker. Like, he can hear you. <laughs> so we'll see what happens, man. But I think I think this carousel yeah. is far from over. Oh, yeah. It's got a lot of uh, spokes in the wheel, and it's got a long ways to go. we got so much to get to here on 3 and Out, 912-342-7184. You can join us here on the program. Hit us up on Twitter, at Pigskin Radio. We are also streaming live, ESPN Coastal dot com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Good to have you back here. It is three and out. All across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network, Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop. Thanks for making us a part of your day. We'll hear from Matt Smith coming up in just a little bit on the landscape of college football. And where he sees this thing headed, because it's just been uh, absolutely crazy. Of course, uh, a couple of weeks from now, you'll be right in the throes of SEC Media Days. Uh, Greg Sankey, I cannot wait to hear his State of the Union, so to speak. uh, State of the SEC, uh, so to speak. Because you have to imagine, he's going to say, well, hey, Southern Cal, UCLA, they're coming in in two years. Are you trying to move up that date for Texas and Oklahoma? Which... You know, who knows? Could happen. 
And then you get down to the football side of things. I'm sure a lot of, you know, Jimbo, Nick Saban stuff will be talked about. But at the end of it all, you got to figure out who's going to be the favorite. And through it all, then I feel like the more things change, the more they stay the same, we're going to come out of uh, SEC media days. It's going to be Bama and Georgia pick to win it uh, here in, in 2022. Let's start there in the East. Who do you think is the biggest contender to Georgia in the East? And has that gap been closed at all? By anybody in the East, I think I think uh, I think I think uh, you made a great point before the show when you said it might be Georgia, but I think indivi- individual teams, nobody collectively. I think Tennessee and Florida got a shot. The reason why I say it is this: the thing about the thing about Tennessee and that offense, right? They need to play complementary defense. You already know what Coach Hyper wants to do. You're talking about a guy like Hendon Hooker. The thing about a team like Florida is they're going to try to more establish establish the run and. They, even though it's not the same team, they have beaten Georgia as of recent. I don't think it's anybody individually. Because this is the thing, Kevin. Georgia is doing it with a guy in Stetson Bennett who doesn't get enough credit for what he brings to the table with a defense that you know is going to just be stifling. I don't. I, I mean, I just think that when you look at what Georgia does better than anybody else, Georgia never says we can't be beat. Georgia says if you make a mistake, you're going you're gonna to pay for it and you might not get to recover from it. Florida is the biggest question mark because they got a guy in Anthony Richardson who is going to be his first real year taking, you know, uh, you know, uh, taking the reins, being the starter from day one. They got some guys on defense, but they got a new head coach. Tennessee surprised everybody last year with how they finished the year because they was picked, they were supposed to be bottom feeders last year. End up having, I think, the second, I think, a second or third best record in, uh, in the conference last year. And I said by committee, I can't leave Kentucky out because they got Will Levis. You know they got right. You know, uh, you know they got uh, the running game Rodriguez and company. I th- I just think that by it, one team by themselves, no, it, it's it's not possible because you got to get it in recruiting. That's not there. Got to get it in talent. That's not there. Maybe scheme, maybe situational football, maybe because this this is the first time. This is the first time in a long time when you start talking about a team uh, like Georgia to where I'm not saying they got holes. I'm just saying they are replacing a lot. So we will see what happens. Yeah, I, th- I said it was Georgia, and I, and I do believe that. I think uh, the biggest contender to Georgia in the East is themselves. Uh, and you could say, well, what does that mean? I, I, I Obviously, Vanderbilt's not there. I don't think Missouri's there. I don't think Kentucky's there. I don't think South Carolina's there. People will say, you know, Tennessee, maybe Florida. I mean, Florida was competitive then for what? A quarter and 14 minutes? A qu- uh, uh, it's, right, it's, right there. About, about as bad as it can be at the end of a second quarter. Once the pick started rolling, right. yeah. Yes. But, 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 but what have they done to close that gap? I don't know. They got a new coach coming in. You just don't know. You I don't. mean, you could say maybe it's for, I think Tennessee, while really good, and I think they've taken some steps forward, have they closed uh, in on, have they closed in on Georgia? I don't know. I think they've, Closed in on everybody else in the league. Yeah. I think they've passed a lot of people in the league, and maybe they could be picked second in the East. But yeah. I think the biggest contender to Georgia would be Georgia's own enthusiasm. Oh, yeah. yeah and yeah, and but- I'm not saying this because, again, Kirby's built a championship program. He comes out of that Alabama mold where the, the mindset is after you win a championship, is not going to win another one, right? And sometimes we see programs then where they finally get that championship. I don't want to say apathy. I don't know what, but you kind of have that big exhale as a program. You're like, Oh, thank God. It was 40 years and we got it. And do you come with that same 
consistency, that same energy every yeah. single game because yes. you knew what it was yes. uh, you know, last year to get that. I don't know. So I think the biggest contender to Georgia might be them. I don't know that anybody else on the field in the East, unless oh, not, Georgia not, that's just— what I'm, That's what I'm saying. When you, when, you, when you talk about a team like Georgia, they finally made it over the hill, right? Like they finally got that— like that breath of fresh air, like, oh, okay. Like, and I'm not saying that just for them. I, there's a lot of programs yeah, where that but, happens. But, I, but when people ask why is Georgia, quote, and I mean this respect, Alabama East, it's because isn't that what we say about Alabama? Do they want to win the SEC this year? Or do they just want to compete for the national championship this year? Because with Alabama, Alabama's competing against the Alabama tradition. I don't want to be that team if I'm Bryce Young, Will Anderson, because Tua, you know, Mac Jones – Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddle and so on and so forth, they got national championships. You don't want to be that tennis. Do y'all didn't win a natty? Like, I because what, what Alabama's doing is this. The first Nick Saban is responsible for a lot of stuff in Alabama. The first ever Heisman Trophy winner, Mark Ingram, Alabama. The second, oh, you're talking about Derrick Henry. Then you start talking about, you know, uh Devonta Smith. Now you start talking about the first quarterback. So I think with them, it's more or less legacy building. Sometimes, and it's like, okay, who do we got to deal with? It used to be got to deal with Ohio State, got to deal with Oklahoma. Now we got to deal with Georgia. I just think that for a team like Georgia is, what is the what is your what is your encore for, uh, year coming off a national championship? Because Kevin, you know, the hardest thing to do is a repeat, and that's in any sport. That's college, pro. It's hard to do it. And I think with Georgia is because they understand what it takes to. It's it's one thing to understand what it takes to do it, but until you've done it. You don't know if your methods are working. Well, it's working. Whatever Kirby Smart is doing up there, it's working. Now it's, hey, how do we not have a letdown? How do we not have a Tennessee letdown or a Florida letdown or a South Carolina letdown? You know, because if that happens, it's all because, you know, Georgia has earned the benefit of the doubt. But Georgia doesn't want to do Georgia doesn't want to do the Clemson thing. Uh, we pencil Clemson in every year to the college football playoff until they don't. And how quick we forget about a team when they was at the top of the hill, just like you know, just like the Alabamas of the world. So you are right when you say Georgia is its biggest uh, opponent. Two things: Georgia and injuries, because and because you're replacing a lot. Fifteen guys to the NFL draft. Now, I'm not saying you decimated like the LSU, the 2019 LSU team, but that's a lot. Buck is award winner, and sure. you know, Outland Trophy, you know, things of that nature. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, it, it definitely is Georgia on the Western side. Obviously, everybody's going to talk about Nick Saban in Alabama. Jimbo Fisher's made a lot of statements. I heard uh, Christian talking about this on second down. You may get Alabama once. Very rarely do you get them back to back, right? Yeah. I mean, so so Jimbo got him last year. Yep. Are you going to get him again in twenty twenty two? To me, that's the only way Texas A and M is a contender. I'll hold off judgment on Brian Kelly. I think LSU's a ways away. Arkansas, I think they're a nice program. Are they a contender to win it? No. Same thing about Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss. I think Mississippi State's still, uh, you know, a ways away. But I think you start, and I think Auburn, who knows? I mean, with what happened in the offseason, if they get off to a rough start, is Brian Harson going to be there? Yeah. Come into the year. But uh, then I look at, at Alabama, I think if anybody's going to do it, it's Texas A&M. And I don't know, as I look at it right now, if anybody's going to be like, I think when that tally comes out, it's going to be heavy Bama win it, mm-hmm. Texas A&M too, and then mm-hmm. if you look at the vote totals, probably a huge gap uh, to whoever it is that's going to be in third place. This is this is how I break down the West. I got I got I got I got three categories. I got should be needs be, needs to be and hopes to be. Should be <laughs> Texas A&M. It should be Texas A&M. Hope that will be LSU. They hope is LSU, right? 
I mean, and I but I, but I just but I just think that you know, and I you know, I'm sorry, I said should be needs to be hosted. Should be, you know, should be uh, taking them needs to be LSU because Kevin, this is the thing about Brian Kelly, right? Brian Kelly needs to understand there are no Mulligan years anymore. You got to come out the game yeah. now. <sighs> Hopes to be is is Auburn because the thing about Auburn is Coach Harson. This is one of the craziest off seasons you ever seen. He don't want to be there. They don't want to be there. They want him to be there. People leave. I mean, Bo Nix goes to, you know what I'm saying, Oregon. You still got Tank Bigsby. You lose both coordinates. It's crazy. Now, it should be Texas A&M, like I said. You know, I mean, needs to be LSU because Brian Kelly, I mean, I'm sorry. There aren't too many jobs in the country you're going to walk away from called Notre Dame. People don't walk away from those jobs. They get fired. He walked away. Now, he's getting more money. I get it. But, uh. You think winning the LSU is going to be easy to do in Notre Dame? You're in the yeah. SEC West? And for those people who don't understand how hard what I'm saying to LSU is, that 2019 team, that is called an outlier. The last time LSU had beat Alabama was, I don't know, seven, eight years prior. So that doesn't happen that much. Beating Alabama all the time is done by, I don't know, nobody. Right. So should be, like I said, should be Texas A&M. You know, it needs to be LSU. But if if a coach Harson, you know, they hope they hope it is Auburn because that's what we're used to, right? You know, let, let's call it what it is, Kevin. This this Texas A&M LSU stuff. This stuff is new. It used to be Auburn Alabama area. They go back and forth. But Nick Saban changed all changed everything. But because of recruiting, because of perception, it, it should be uh, Texas A&M because they making the most noise. Brian Kelly outside of you know dancing with recruits. And change his <laughs> accent, it ain't much to talk about the LSU, right? That's right. The thing about Auburn is, Auburn is a team, Kevin, that when you don't expect them to do anything, they, 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 you know, they, they surprise you. And when you expect them to ball, they don't. Texas A&M is that, hey, man, we won in recruiting. We making declarations in 2021, and we living up to them. We, 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 we call the controversy, talking trash in the offseason. You know what I'm saying? You don't talk about us. And then you got recruiting videos with the freaking, I don't know who it was, strength coach, assistant coach saying, man, they're paying you a lot of money to come here. Oh, and there it is. So, for me, Kevin, I hope it is yeah. uh, Texas A&M because that just seems right, right? Like, like Auburn, Auburn's always going to get the benefit of the doubt. Like, we we kind of Auburn is kind of Auburn has earned their place in the SEC West. So has LSU. Texas and M. I'm sorry, you're still guests. You're here a lot more than everybody else. You know what I'm saying? You haven't earned a shot at the big boys. I know, table I know. Yet. You know, because Kevin, you, Kevin, it's like this. This is what Texas M is potentially. When Peyton Manning used to first go up against Tom Brady, it wasn't a rivalry because Tom Brady always won. Teddy Bruce getting like, what's it being a ride, man? That was a good game. And we won. <laughs> y'all, y'all looking at the game. Who won the game? Now, when Peyton Manning finally wins, they go, all right, Peyton, welcome to, you know, welcome to the show. <laughs> because you know how it is, Kevin. People look at the, the, that yeah. almost winning, it's called losing. Right. So for Texas AM, can they do the unthinkable? Can they be Alabama and back to back? Because once again, remember, certain teams have the illusion of winning the national championship. Other teams can win it. Texas AM, I'm sorry. It's going to take a lot for y'all to win the West. But beating Alabama definitely, oh, man. Sometimes just being in the psyche of people's minds talking about what you did because Texas a will beat Alabama and lose to Mississippi State. 
So I don't know what we're talking about with this Texas A&M team, but Texas A&M won, LSU yeah. 2, Auburn. I mean, if Texas A&M beats Alabama again, and as you said, has a game that is very disappointing on their schedule, a lot of people will be going, how many times can you just, at least while Nick Saban's there, think you're going to just keep beating Alabama and not go to the SEC championship game? I think that's what they want. Got to do that. You've beaten Alabama. Got to get to the uh, uh, SEC championship game in the not-too-distant future. We got more to come. Matt Smith. Speaking of things changing uh, around uh, college football, he'll join us. We'll get his thoughts on the uh, direction of college football, where it's headed. And as a Notre Dame alum, what does he think the Irish are going to do when it's all said and done? He'll join us next here. It's 3 and Out, Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back. Here it is, 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, thanks for making us a part of your day. College football just changing by the minute, by the hour, and uh, joining us here. Uh, SouthernPigskin.com covers college football, covers the SEC. Matt Smith joining us here on 3 and Out. Matt, welcome. Uh, obviously, Southern Cal and USC shook everything up uh, last week. How surprised were you at just that uh, and their decision to go clear across the country and play in a conference? I guess maybe not to the extent I was a year ago with Texas and Oklahoma. I think this one's more seismic. I mean, it felt a bit like uh, just a creep when they grabbed Texas and Oklahoma. They they were already in Texas, obviously. Oklahoma's a border state. Uh, The Big 12's been kind of tenuous for the better part of a decade now. So um, I don't think that was as seismic. It was still surprising because every time the Big 12 kind of got to the edge of the cliff, that survived it and, and pulled back and, and went on, but I think now that this is truly a nationwide conference going from the Northeast hub to New York and Washington all the way out to Los Angeles, uh, this feels like ge- any semblance of geography that we had. It was getting funnier and funnier kind of by the year, you know, with Missouri and the SEC East and West Virginia and in the Big 12. Now that it's completely out the door. So I think the ramifications of the USC-UCLA move are much more significant than Texas and Oklahoma were, but I was probably still more surprised by uh, Texas and OU last summer. You figured at some point USC, UCLA would want to move, just you didn't know if it would be the Big Ten or the SEC and when that would take place. I thought it might take till the middle of the decade to happen, um, but not quite the, the shock, I would say, of that July day at Media Days a year ago when we found out Texas and OU were headed to the SEC. And man, when you take when you take a guy like Lincoln Riley, obviously he was a headliner at Oklahoma. You see what he did with you know Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, and so on and so forth. He goes to USC, and everybody was like, he's running from the SEC, running from the SEC. We got to know at least some. He had some insight on the fact that they weren't going to stay in the Pac-12, especially with a a certain part of the country just being you know really irrelevant when it comes to college football playoff contention. I, you would think that Ben. I mean, you talk to people who kind of had have had some involvement in the conference realignment process, and they always claim how tight the circle is. Like it's presidents, maybe some big donors, and sometimes the athletic director is even late to the party. So I don't know about that. It it seems like that, but why would you, if if he was truly running from the SEC, why are you now going to want to deal with Ohio State if he knew at the time that this was coming? Because they're pretty much just as big of a giant as Alabama and Georgia would have been in the SEC, probably not quite the depth um, in the Big Ten, but still a super heavyweight that you did not have in the Pac-12 when he took that job and supposedly wanted to be the big dog in his league was the thought process at the time as, as why he turned down LSU. 
and went to USC. Maybe it was because he was thought the NIL opportunities would be better in Los Angeles, and, and so far he's kind of been proven right there. So I don't know. I think that, Ben, but just from hearing people, again, who have dealt with this process over the last 10 and 12 years in different, in different circumstances, that that circle is pretty small, and coaches generally know not much before the general public does that this is going down. Matt Smith, SouthernPigskin.com, joining us here on 3 and Out. Now, since that time, all of last week, uh, Matt, Focus has turned to Notre Dame. I know you are intimately familiar with Notre Dame uh, as an, uh, an alum there. What does Notre Dame at their core want to do? Reportedly, they said no to the Big Ten. What do you think they want to do? Uh, they're trying to hold out as long as they can with independence. And uh, to me, the only things that would drive them to a conference are they need access to the college football playoff. By being in a conference, which the 12-team model has been rumored out there um, for 2026, I suppose, at this point, that would allow them to get in there without being in a conference, so they were fine with that. Or, of course, the collapse of the ACC. And I think, you know, eight days ago, we didn't think the ACC was on the verge of collapsing, and you know, now it might be. So between that, and they've always sacrificed some money to stay independent, you know, what they get from NBC and a little bit from the ACC as kind of being a satellite member is certainly pales in comparison to what the Big Ten and SEC are getting currently. Now when the new TV contracts kick in, SEC starting in 2024, Big Ten, we'll see where those numbers land starting next year. Uh, the money just might be too great to say, guys, what are we doing here? We're sacrificing all this just to stay independent, you know. And incrementally they've made some changes that have irritated some fans, you know, whether it be – even adding a jumbotron in field turf or doing the ACC arrangement. Um, they've taken away some of those things that well, fans claim make Notre Dame Notre Dame, but in reality, it's not a big deal or anything. And I, I think going to the Big Ten may make some sense. The question is, I guess to me, I think North Carolina might be the one to move first because I think they're the, they're the one team, aside from Notre Dame, who they could call the Big Ten today – we want in, and they'd say, absolutely. They could call the SEC today and say, we want in, and the SEC would say, absolutely. I'm not sure there's another team out there where both conferences would say, yes, absolutely, we want you, in terms of, like, Clemson, Florida State, Miami, Oregon. Like, I'm not sure the SEC is wants to go. I know TV markets aren't as big, big of a deal anymore uh, with so many people cutting the cord, but I'm not sure Clemson, Florida State, Miami are all attractive to the SEC. I think they would want either North Carolina and Duke or North Carolina and Virginia. Maybe Virginia Tech, but my hunch is North Carolina and Virginia. And if you're North Carolina, I think you have to decide, hey, do we want Duke to go with us? Because at that point, I think the Big Ten would probably have more interest. Duke and the SEC might have more interest in Virginia. So I think Notre Dame can probably hold out a bit longer just because of the leverage they have. And again, I think North Carolina has close to that, maybe not quite that they may be able to dictate kind of who wants to go with them. They, is it important to them to have Duke in their conference? Then maybe the Big Ten is the preferred approach. Or uh, if they're okay, then I think the SEC may be more interested in, in Virginia. Um, so I'm kind of watching North Carolina, actually. I know there's so many rumors about the rest of the Pac-12, and, and of course Notre Dame since last Thursday has been the big talking point. But the one school I'm thinking who could drive the rest of this and maybe save or end the ACC, I think it's North Carolina in all of this. And, man, even sticking with that leverage, I mean, obviously there isn't a – I don't think there is a team in college football or in college 
that matter that has more leverage than Notre Dame. It's interesting that you use uh, UNC being like a close second. What team out there, you, you talked about Clemson and Miami and Florida State not having the same leverage. Is there a, is there a team out there that perception-wise they got a big brand, but, but reality-wise they might be on the outside looking in if this dismantling of, this, of the ACC or, you know, maybe the Pac-12 uh, continues to happen? Yeah, you know, I think, I think it could be the ones I mentioned because I, I just don't think the SEC has much interest in, in Florida State and Miami unless the Big Ten, you know, absolutely gets North Carolina and or Duke and or Virginia. And maybe even Virginia Tech might be a better option for the SEC. I know Clemson's kind of a giant right now, but there's still a bit of new money. They have the flagship school in that state already, both in South Carolina and in Florida. And I don't think the Big Ten – I think the Big Ten of those three teams, the one that would interest them the most is Miami – you know, being a private school, probably a little higher on the academic side of things, um, a big market, which obviously interested them in, in their last round. Their last two rounds of expansions have all been big markets. So I, I, Clemson and Florida State are obviously have been giants in this sport. They've both they've won three national titles in the last nine years, I guess. But I'm just not sure, given what the Big Ten and the SEC prefer and where they already are, um, that they could get boxed out somehow and maybe have to end up in kind of that second-tier conference with some of the Big 12 teams. And no one knows where this is going, but I think maybe the perception of Clemson and Florida State, because of their on-field product over the last 10 to 20 years, um, it may enhance um, their reputation compared to what the actual conferences would think of those two programs. Matt Smith, SouthernPigskin.com. Joining us here. And, and Matt, where do you think ultimately – this does go. You said nobody really knows. I mean, a lot of people say, well, if you're going to add another team, they better bring in 70, 80, 100 million dollars, rumored what, you know, the Big Ten schools are going to pay out uh, per school. I mean, do these conferences want to go to 20? Do they want to do the uh, the, the P2? And uh, as you said, everything's kind of on the table because uh, Ben and I joke all the time. I mean, in, in college athletics right now, everybody's loyal till the phone rings. Yeah, and Again, I think Notre Dame would prefer the current approach, but if the ACC falls apart, then they lose their home for all their other sports. I know those don't matter a ton in all this, but that was still important for them, and the main reason as to why they did the ACC deal back in 2012. Um, so I think if North Carolina is comfortable standing pat, I think Notre Dame would probably feel the same way. And at that point, I don't think there's anyone else where Greg Sankey or Kevin Warren would feel like, we have to go get this team. Like, we really need Oregon in this league. That's a huge fish out there, and we can't let the other conference get Oregon. I don't think there's anyone left. So North Carolina's comfortable with where they are at now. I think Notre Dame's okay because that would keep the ACC intact. So if I had to make a guess, I think we stay with the 16 in both conferences through at least the end of the playoff, the current playoff era in the 2025-2026. It's not sustainable going forward, but – Knowing how slow Notre Dame tends to move with stuff, I think they'd prefer to hold on a little bit longer. Whether that's in their best interest or not, I don't know. It almost certainly is not financially, but, but clearly if financially was if financial motives were the number one driver there, uh, they would already be in a conference. So um, I think we'll get a couple years of 16 in both leagues. A lot of people argue we'll never play a season with 16 in the SEC. They'll make a move to have teams, more teams in by the time Texas and, and OU get going in the league. But I'm going to say it. Slows down just a bit. I know it's been quick with two huge changes over the past 12 months, um, but again, I think it comes down to North Carolina and, of course, Notre Dame. What they want to do if they can keep the ACC intact. I don't think again there's another program out there that either the Big Ten or the SEC will say we got to go get this team, so the other one doesn't. 
And Matt was so much talk about, oh, the transfer portal, that's going to be the end of it. Or NIL, that's that that's going to be the end of it. And here we are with these super conferences are already taking shape in front of us. Who would have ever thought it would have been conference realignment that's going to really have people, you know, questioning their uh, fandom. And I get it. You know, when you got these potentially a, a big, too big, the, the power two, the P2, could it be a a, uh, a NFL uh, junior, a AFC, NFC version in, in college football if it comes down to two major conferences, even though the other conferences are going to do all they can to salvage themselves? It's hard not to see potentially something like that, especially if this 12-team playoff kind of falls apart and we end up with, you know, a – six-team SEC playoff and a, a six-team Big Ten playoff, and then we play a championship game in January like we do. I, I don't think that's, that's far-fetched. But, yeah, for, for the sport as a whole collapsing, you know, it's going to change if this all does go down. I think you'll get different types of fans who, you know, the group who really love the mystique, the uniqueness, the quirkiness, the stupid polls, and why is some sports writer in uh, Dubuque, Iowa, determining whether, you know, Florida State or, Alabama is number one. That's silly, but a lot of us love that. That's kind of the way our generation, that's kind of what we grew up with. And even though it was frustrating at times, I think a lot of us yearn for those days. But for the guy in, in Philadelphia who um, concerned about the Eagles first and foremost, he wants to see Michigan play USC. He doesn't yearn for, you know, Michigan, Wisconsin or, or games like that that we grew up with, the regionalism. He wants the big brands playing each other. And those fans will turn college football more so than they do currently. So, Will probably be a shift in the types of fans, the level of fandom. It's not going to kill the sport. We we see every Saturday just how wonderful it is, and it'll be the same this year. We'll forget about all this crap in September and October when we get some of those wild Saturdays, and and we'll love it all over again. But then we'll go through the off season, and it'll be craziness, and we'll swear it off. So, I think there are some changes to that extent where it becomes more of an NFL type fandom, um, which I think stinks for me personally. But you know the decisions are being made in in Los Angeles and in Bristol, Connecticut, and and in Birmingham and Chicago, to some extent as well, that's what's driving the sport, not necessarily your your average college football fan in, in flyover states. So that's just the reality of it right now. But I do think that will change going forward, whether it's just the 16 or if we do go to kind of the 20, 2014 leagues and have an AFC, NFC-esque structure. Matt Smith, SouthernPigskin.com, our guest here on 3 and Out. Matt, we appreciate it, man. Thanks so much. Always fun, guys. Talk to you soon. Appreciate it. Matt Smith joining us here on 3 and Out. We'll come back with more all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back. Here it is, three and out. Glad you're making us a part of your day, Kevin Thomas. He is Ben Troop. Glad you're here on the show. We'll look at college football as we go throughout. We talked about that with uh, Matt Smith. What do, you, what do you want to hold on to if you're a college football fan? Are you just a guy that wants to see big Big matchups, or are you a fan who fell in love with what college football is all about, which is regional rivalries, backyard brawls, uh, big brother, little brother, uh, you know, fist fights on the gridiron, that kind of stuff. We'll get to that coming up here in just a little bit. But, Ben, it is 4 o'clock. We have to take three here on three. It's part of the rules. We've got to do it. All right, take one. This is where I said we'll talk tennis. So we don't talk a lot of tennis. I know there's a lot of people like, so you watch tennis? I'm like, eh. No, I know enough. (laughs) When Kevin Thomas hit you with the, uh, the, the, the very brief, I can give you the time, I can give you the year. I, I watch more tennis than soccer. How about that? Is that there fair? Is. fair I, I, and, I, <laughs> and I can agree. I do watch more tennis than soccer. Yes. Is that fair enough? Like, I get it. I, I watch, like, there's only so many things I can devote my time to 
I'm just going to be when honest. When the World Cup, when the, when, the, when Atlanta announced, when it got announced that Atlanta's going to be a host city for the World Cup, everybody was like, yeah, Kevin's like, oh, uh, here we Traffic's going to be a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're talking tennis here in kind of the abstract. Rafael Nadal was going for the Grand Slam. Mm -hmm. All right, he's there at Wimbledon. Well, today he withdrew. He had a uh, an oblique muscle situation uh, going on, and he withdrew. Well, he was into the semifinals. He was going to play Nick Kyrgios. I I I I was no, I was going to butcher his last name. So now he gets a free pass to the finals, or they call it a walkthrough. Uh, so, because Nadal's not playing. Do you like the free pass? I, I just want, from an abstract standpoint, because in sports, a lot of times we're taught to say, hey, you're going for the championship. I don't want to be given the championship. Right? I don't want to get to the championship because, you know, something strange happened. So, I know Nick Kyrgios is a tremendous tennis player in his own right and has earned his right to the semifinals. But, because Nadal can't go, he's on to the Wimbledon finals do the walkthrough. Do you like that? I do. I'm, and this and this is why. I think sometimes in sports, we don't understand how hard it is to advance in sports, to make it to, to be a pro in whatever level of sports we want to be, uh, you know, be a pro in. And, Kevin, this happens a lot. Not necessarily in the semifinals, but it's in the rule. They didn't make up something for the dog. And the thing is, right, it doesn't mean that whoever he plays in the finals means he's going to beat him. It just means he gets a little bit more rest. But this is within the rules. I want to say Serena Williams, I think she withdrew uh, in Wimbledon or something like that. It, it happens. It's rare. But, Kevin, think about this. You finally make it to the – you are a professional tennis player, which means Novak Djokovic or Rafael Nadal, they're somewhere in the wings because – they are the they are the they are the barometer these days. Sure. Take nothing away, you know, uh, from guys previous. And you finally make it to the doll. It's already scary enough. Like as a <laughs> competitor, I got Raphael on the doll. So sleep the night before is probably very 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 scarce. If he goes out, number one, if you've ever seen Raphael on the doll play, he don't. It's gonna have to take something of this magnitude to get him to withdraw. But I got here fair and square. I beat everybody to make it to the semis. He's he withdrew. I'm gonna go to the finals. Doesn't mean I'm gonna beat. Listen, one, it doesn't mean I was gonna beat Rafael Nadal, and it doesn't mean I'm gonna beat the person I'm gonna play in the finals. But I was one of the last four four men standing. So yes, Kevin, there are there are things in life sometimes that you cannot explain, but you will take it. I understand that. Look, I, look, and and, and 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 it's not gonna be quote. Is it gonna be a real woman? Yes. If he does go on to win, yes. Because he controlled all he can control. So I, I just think that while it is a rarity, Kevin, number one, he's going to be able to talk about – he's going to be the one guy to say, yeah, man, I'm, I'm the guy who, you know, he, uh, he had a withdrawal when we was in the semis. But it's, it's so rare in sports to have, quote, somebody has to do it because they can't, they can't go forward. But, hey, it, it happened. And I just think that puts actually more pressure on him to actually win the final because he gets, you know, because obviously he gets more time off. So you can't win sometimes no matter what you do. But, hey, man, you, you got that fair and square. It is a rarity in sports, but it Look, does happen. I, I just, again, it's one of those things where you feel weird about it. I know you as an athlete say don't feel weird about it. That's the rules. That's how, how things go. I still got even, what, a couple years ago during COVID, right? I think Georgia Tech was in the ACC semifinals, and Virginia had X number of COVID cases, and – 
They couldn't play the game, so Georgia Tech got a pass into the finals. Now, at the time, Virginia was, I think, the number one seed in the ACC tournament. Yes. And they just didn't have to play, jumped ahead. And I was like, Man, I don't know how you feel about that. You did end up winning the ACC. You had to go do it on the floor. Yeah. And, you know, Nick here goes, I have to do it on the court. He's mm-hmm. going to have to play. Mm-hmm. But almost like, I mean, you bypass one of the toughest guys if, yeah. just to, uh, yeah. be, because of something that was kind of out of control. I, it's just a weird thought. It is. Like, hey, I'm in I the finals. Know, know. It, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, Rafael Nadal is one of the best in the world. I know he's hurt, but it's like, oh. You just got slid into I mean, the finals. Again, like guys like guys like uh, you know Rafael Nadal, you know joke, you know uh, Novak Djokovic, the guys. Once again, it's not so much I watch tennis than I watch them. Because if I watch tennis, I'm gonna watch whomever playing. I'm not watching whomever. I will watch. Rafael Nadal is the king of clay. He's known as being the king of clay. Joe Novak Djokovic. I mean, the guy that just has the poker face. No matter when you play him. You could be up, you know, two games to nil. He'll come back and beat you. But, yes, man, shout out to the young man going to the finals. Listen, man, it's how you get there. He, he, he still earned it the hard way. Yeah, look, I, I that's just one of those where I know if this happened in the second round, I'm probably not as, like, aggrieved about oh, it. Yeah. It's just oh, yeah. when you get a pass into the finals, I think that's where I'm like, man, that's that's where it just kind of gets conflicted for you. Where it's like, don't want a, a pass to the finals? I mean, but as a competitor, I guess, hey, them's the rules. You take it. All right, moving along. Take two. Tiger Woods is out there playing friendly golf rounds with Rory over there in Scotland. Set to play at St. Andrews next week for the Open Championship, the British Open, whatever you wish uh, to call it. A lot of talk about Tiger Woods. He put out a statement saying, look, or not a statement, he said in an interview, hey, I want to play St. Andrews, a classic course, while I can still play at a high level. Of course, he doesn't play hardly at all, as it is right now. He's talking about, hey, I didn't play the U.S. Open so I could get my body in shape to play this. How many more tournaments do you think Tiger Woods has in him? Uh, I'm not talking about wins. I'm just talking about just playing in general. I'd say five. Because, Kevin, this is the thing, right? Tiger Woods has experienced what everybody experienced. Father time. Tiger Woods' life now should be simply, hey, man, I'm I'm learning how to manage my injuries now. But But he's trying to still compete competitively and what we see is not when you play golf yeah whatever the elements are rain you know heat walking those courses you got to deal with it well that's not favorable to a guy who has a bad knee who's dealing with injuries who i don't know how much golf he's played but i know he's played a, a lot of it and how much golf does he play to even get himself back into golf shape to even go out there tiger woods is trying to Tiger Woods is trying to live up to the persona of him. I know earlier, Kevin, we said that Georgia's biggest opponent is Georgia. Tiger mm-hmm. Woods' biggest opponent is Tiger Woods. Sure. It's not about who he's playing against. He's won almost every course he goes. Oh, man, Tiger Woods done won his six, seven times. He's done it all in the sport. It's Tiger Woods is doing that. I don't want to be real. Dude, your legacy is cemented. Even, and that's the thing. And I got to say this. Just say he goes out and wins a tournament. And, like, <laughs> I mean, if we're being. Now, I get the Masters a couple of years. I get that. That's that's different. To me, you're supposed to drop the mic right then because no one ever thought nobody would even touch Jack. You're not even going to get close to that. And it's almost like, man, I'm right there. Yeah, but, dude, but even if you – like, you you good. Like, <laughs> you, know, like you got, what, eight – I'm not counting your money. $800 million. Yeah. Turn, one of the guys – I turned down the live tour because I'm good. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm not – you know, and I think that for Tiger Woods is – is it worth what I got to put my body through to even do it? Because just say he does go in the tournament. Just say he finishes in the top five. Behind the scenes, they're like, dude, like, 
What did you did you reaggravate? So for me, Kevin, I, listen, I'm not Tiger Woods, not by far, but I just think that certain things, while it's worth it to you, is it worth it in the long run sure. for what you? So I, I I say five only because he seems to only be playing in majors because he got look, man. I my body just won't allow me to do it. Yeah, I, I think that's it. I, and, and again, it's one of those things where I I don't know how long he wants to play, but Ben, we see this in sports a lot where you see guys who are at the peak of their game. And as you have said a number of times on the show, Father Time is undefeated. Undefeated. But people look at Willie Mays, one of the greatest baseball players to do it. End of his career, he's out there looking like a shell of himself. Peyton Manning, yeah, he won a Super Bowl. But a lot of people say, man, that last year with Denver, yeah. you were a dude wearing 18. That's You needed Brock Osweiler to help you in certain right, games like, to even make it through. Like, like you were trying to will yourself to get yes. through, and you were not the Peyton Manning yes. that we saw at the peak game. I think it's the same thing with Tiger Woods. Like, Tiger Woods is the most unbelievable golfer we have ever seen. I will say that. Nobody in this office thought he was going to win a Masters except for Christian. And Christian is a dyed-in-the-wool Tiger Woods fan. And he came out and he does things that don't make sense. I'm going to say he's got – I'm going to go under even five. I'm going to say just a couple more because he wants to play at a high level. But yeah. I think also, from the money standpoint, you got a son that's obviously pretty good at golf that – is going to be entering that phase of, you know, high top high school yeah. and and collegiate golf uh, at some point in the not too distant future. Yes, I, I just wondered the competitive juice is there, but also I think most people don't want to see Tiger Woods. No, go out there, no. use it all up to make a cut, and yes. then it's like, well, now I got nothing I, and, left. And, 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 and I think that's that's what we're talking about. And I got to say this too, the mind, and I mean this like very very respectfully. Your mind is the last thing to go. Your body, right? In your mind, we all think, oh, man, I'm telling you. I'm just, but people go, dude, like, just because you got yourself back in physical shape doesn't mean you're back in golf. It's, it's a di- and I, I got to say this about Tiger. Once Tiger Woods gets on the golf course and he's just a big name, he's not the guy anymore. He's Tiger. Like, Tiger Woods in a tournament, man, you playing for second. Like, oh, man, Tiger Woods in it? Is Tiger going to play? Yeah, uh. Once that doubt from the other golfers goes away, that's what Tiger Woods is. I mean, the greatest to ever do it when they step out there. When Mike used to step, Michael Jordan step out on the court. Mike Tyson step in the ring. Uh, you know, uh, Dale Earnhardt Sr. He steps on the track. It's like, cause these dudes can win anytime they're there. With Tiger Woods is saying, "Look, man," it's almost like I don't know who could tell him to say, "Look, if I'm your, you know, if I'm your caddy, man, I'm gonna support you." But you want me to? But as your friend, like, take the <laughs> truth. You want me to take the truth? Yeah, Bruh, Listen. Every time you swing, I see that I, it, it, it's it, you know, and then you can do all that to barely make the cut. So I I, I don't know. But I'm kind of like you. Outside of winning, I don't know what he has left to prove to anybody other than he. Hey, I want to come back from this and play at a high the, level. The matter of fact, that listen, the last time I seen Mike Tyson in the ring, he was fighting Roy Jones Jr. Both of them passed their prime, right? Both of them, but they also are boxers, so they know how to take care of each other. I seen Roy Jones kind of hit uh, hit uh, Mike Tyson. They, uh, I'm sorry, they know each other, right? They, they like as we and let's call it weird. This old man boxing ain't nothing finna really happen. Like they tired as hell. Yeah. With Tiger Woods, dude, that guy's 21. That guy over there's 22. You're old enough to be. You used to be the youngest. Now, dude, you old enough to be these dudes' dad, literally. <laughs> and, and I mean that respectfully. As a guy that had to interview yeah, current student yeah. athletes in college. I get some. Yes, sir. Don't call me. Sorry, sir. <laughs> when were you born? Uh, two thousand two. You were born in two thousand. So you see, what I'm, so that that's what. I'm, and, and that's like, and Kevin. Once again, if Tiger wins, 
it's a big it's a big article. It's a big deal. But everything has what 24, 48 hours up. Yep. Move on. Sports come at you so fast now. It's like because college football, they ain't letting nobody dominate these headlines oh, but no. them these days. Yeah, don't uh, don't sit too long in college football. The headlines <laughs> will change in a few minutes. All right, moving on. Finally, uh, take three, Ben. Today is National Macaroni Day. People love macaroni. Apparently, according to the my in depth research I performed, is the most popular pasta in the United States. But the next question. Is it really only good with cheese on it? <sighs> I'm gonna ha- listen. I, I, I'm gonna have to say yes. This is why. This is why. Everybody. And I don't mean Velveeta. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Y'all, do you Velveeta? Even stop putting it online. That's that's embarrassing. Okay. Top five cheeses. I'm a, yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I, I'm I'm gonna say this about macaroni. Right. Most people only associate macaroni with macaroni and cheese. Like when you start talking about if you get tuna salad, everybody ain't eating that. Oh man, you got all the macaroni of salad. Yeah, macaroni salad, or you know, seafood salad. L- 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 listen to me. <laughs> if you put all these macaroni dishes right beside each other, and you took a child, not an adult, a child, what is that? I don't, I don't know what those are, but I want some of this mac and cheese. Mac, mac. There are certain people that don't even know that you could put macaroni on other stuff. You could put cheese other than cheese on it. So right. I listen to to you. To you, you know, people that do everything. Oh, I can do a lot with mac and cheese. Let me tell you something. I've been eating macaroni and cheese a long time. Yeah. Right? I'm trying to t- I've seen macaroni and other stuff. I get it. Some people add it to their soup or whatever. It is made to have cheese. Yeah, yeah, Kevin. People do all kind of crap. In college days. I guess like, maybe in the uh, certain Italian soups there yeah, is some yeah, macaroni. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I get it. What I'm get. saying is, though, Kevin, you know it's like I know. You just, yeah, Kevin, cheese you know what it is. We know in certain certain holidays, the macaroni. <laughs> it might be gone because we're going to put uh, the cheese on. And, and no, Kevin, I, I hear you. But, let me, but, 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 but Kevin made a good point, though. Side note. You think Velveeta's a top five cheese? Yeah. No. We got, we got, some, <laughs> we got some baby powder. Yeah, we got some you. other issues. I know. I, I think macaroni is good for It's good with two things. Cheese or some glitter and some paste in kid art. That's about, that's about all it <laughs> I is. I will say that is. Like every kid's ever gone to, to, to school. It's arts and crafts time. What are you going to do? We're going to glue some macaroni to this car construction paper, and you're going to take it home. We spelled out dad in dried macaroni noodles, and we're going to give it to him for Father's Day. Thank you, son. That was so thoughtful. Well, Daddy, we'll what you going to do with it? I'm going to drop it in some of this hot water. No, no, all right. That's take three, but I got to end. I got to end take three on a on a down note, Ben, because it, because it is National Macaroni Day. Uh, my two children will not eat it. What? Who who introduced them to it? What happened? No, okay. Uh, I, I don't know why they won't eat it. Like we don't do the box stuff. Like the the only times we have it at my house is when it's like Thanksgiving and somebody makes it, like homemade style with you know cheese and all that on it. Won't eat it. To my knowledge, and I, pr- I promise you to this day, my oldest son is going to be 13 soon. He has eaten macaroni and cheese one time in his life. I think it was when he was like six months old. You start working him on the baby food. We got the baby macaroni. He has not eaten it since, and my youngest son will not eat it. I'm like, but you like cheese. You eat dry spaghetti. Like, I say dry, but like it's cooked. But you eat plain spaghetti noodles. Like, it's the same thing but with cheese and, on it. And, and, he's like not doing it and I they won't understand it. the whole my my daughter's like that with the plane you just want plain spaghetti yeah i don't want nothing on what yeah he just needs a plane but i'm like it's cheese on top of that i don't understand why you won't eat that but neither one of them will eat macaroni and cheese it's the oddest thing doesn't matter who makes it it's not like oh 
Their recipe stinks not eating it. No, nobody's not eating anybody's mac and cheese. I don't get it. I told them both. You are the only two children in America that will not eat mac and cheese. <laughs> Y'all right. are weird. I told them that. I was like, well, well, are weird. Is, well, listen, as long as it's coming from you, because <laughs> because at the end of the day, you know, me and Kevin, we don't we don't give our participation trophies. That's right. If my children, neither More one of for my, me, neither one of my daughters, eat peanut butter, they will. Oh no! But will this listen? But will tear Reese cup up? What's and, I'm the like, difference? and I'm like, no, nah, that's different. Whoa. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, and to me, that kind of stuff makes sense. And it will tell you, oh, please, oh, give me that Reese cup. I got peanut butter in it. Yeah, but you can't taste it. Uh, no, that's, that's, all, that's, that's, gonna say, that's all you're taking. That's 100%. I, 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 all I'm saying is, right, We our kids do some stuff, and they won't eat peanut butter. Tell, you know, I, I, you, hey, man, you barely even know a Reese's cup has chocolate on yeah, top of it. Yeah, I, I said, listen, man. I don't get it. Now they got the all peanut butter Reese cup. Whoop! Take me home. Oh, I need to get involved oh, in that. We got more to come. It's three and out. Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here. It is three and out on this Thursday. Braves and Cardinals coming up later tonight. Ben, in college football, we talked about it a lot with Matt Smith earlier in the show. And so much, you know, change going on. What's worth saving in the sport of college football? And I hear... I hear this from a lot of different people. Maybe there's rivalry games that are worth saving. There are, you know, regionality uh, situations that are worth saving. But in a expanded, congealed college football, it could just simply mean give me big matchups. And there are people, as Matt Smith said, look, there's people to whom that is very appealing. I don't care that Ohio State and Southern Cal have anything in common. They're two great teams, and they're playing each other. The end. I don't care about Michigan, Michigan State. I don't care about Wisconsin, Minnesota, and, you know, kind of the backyard brawl uh, aspect of that. I don't care about that. But there's a lot of people like, oh, give me Paul Bunyan's axe and give me the uh, old oaken bucket trophy and all that kind of the, the, the egg, the golden egg for the egg bowl, all that kind of stuff that makes college football a whole lot of fun. And just from your standpoint, Ben, what is worth saving in college football? Because everybody says this is the way we're going, Right. P2 looks like it's going to happen, even if it stays at 16 apiece a bit. You're talking about two conferences when they get renegotiated TV deals that are going to be exponentially wealthier than everybody else in college football. And it's not even going to be, it's really not close now, but it is really not going to be close once that happens. What is worth saving in your estimation? I do, I do think certain, uh, certain rivalry games are worth saving. And I'm talking about, not just regional appeal, but national appeal. So, I mean, you, when you start thinking about, you know, uh, Texas, Oklahoma, all right, you know, it does. It still has the national appeal. It, we know who's going to win it. Sorry, Texas, we know Oklahoma's going to win it, but it has national appeal. I hate to give them credit, but Ohio State, Michigan does have national appeal. Sure. So you keep so you keep that going. Uh. There are going to be certain ones that might not have the national appeal, but when you start talking about two big, like the Egg Bowl, it might not have the national appeal, but it's going to have it. I think it's, I think it's worth saving. The Iron Bowl is worth saving. Florida, Georgia is worth saving. Now, this is the thing, Kevin. When you start talking about when you start talking about what's worth saving in college football, it ain't much because we get caught up in certain things in our area of the country. What, which, what, what the Big Two is trying to do is trying to make college football has, have national appeal because we're the, two, we're, the two, we're the two biggest ones. That's what the NFL does. That's why we got NFC, AFC, national appeal. Got it. 
I, I know it's north, south, east, and west, breaking it down, what may have you. But I do think that certain games are worth saving. I will say this, though. You said something, Kevin. I don't like neutral games. I don't like neutral sites for certain games. I don't like that. Right, yeah. Like 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 home. Now, Florida, Georgia is different. Tennessee, I mean, I'm sorry, Texas, Oklahoma is different. But I will tell you this about Texas and Oklahoma. They don't got to like it. They might have to get used to coming to Atlanta. They might not like it. You want to come to the SEC? We got our own <laughs> rules now. Because, Kevin, you because what happens is when you start talking about college football and certain traditions and different things, look, if you were trying to come lately and you think, hey, man, I think Arkansas, LSU, it's not going to be – it's not going to have the same same appeal. And I do think that college, college football is one of those things to where certain parts of the country is sacred. Other parts of the country, it just happens. The part of the country that it is sacred is in the southeast. So when you so when we start thinking about things, you you know you I do think the Iron Bowl, I do think the Egg Bowl, I do think Florida, Georgia, I do think uh, you know Michigan, Ohio State, I do think uh, you know uh, you know uh, what did I say uh, Oklahoma and Texas, but it ain't many anymore. That's what I'm saying. It ain't many. So I there are you know I do think the home of home campus is something I don't like the you mentioned something you know when Georgia played Clemson and. It was in Bank of America Stadium. What is this, the ACC championship? No, 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 no. Let Georgia go to, you know, Clemson. Let Clemson. Well, uh, but, uh, to me, that's – when you talk about what is worth saving college football, to me that is if we're going to put put aside some traditions and some things that just are, are you're going to lose in terms of regionality and all that, to me that is one that has got to – you can't have every big non-conference game be at a neutral site, right? You can't always go to Jerry World or go to Atlanta. Again, Clemson, Georgia Tech. I uh, played in Atlanta. Georgia and and Clemson didn't play in Athens or Clemson. They played in Charlotte. Yeah. Like I, and, and so that's something I like every year and people have gotten into this idea of like, man, I love the the first week of college football. You get all these neutral site games and Alabama's playing over here in the Superdome and it was like I, I don't want to ever lose that feel of yes. Hey, this is a big game in college football yes. and why is it big? Because we're stepping in to their coliseum with their fans, all the uh, all the fans going against us, and we're going to try to win a football game, and then they're going to come to our place, and they're going to try to do it. When we go fifth, and again, I get it. Georgia, Florida has been one of those things that's kind of been out there. I I can listen to it for a couple of games, but I think when we start getting every big non-conference football game, it's like, hey, we're going to get Bama and Ohio State to play. Oh, we're going to play in Indian and 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 let it play because to me, that's where you get the. Beauty of college yes. football. To me, yes. that, is, that is it. Where fans are into it, the, the the tailgating, that's the traditions I think you're going to be able to best save is game atmospheres, things of that nature that mean so much to college football. I think when everybody shows up, and I mean, I get what it's about. When everybody shows up downtown Atlanta and goes out to eat, and buy, you go in, half and half, big game, and then you leave. The pregame tailgate. I, I love all of that about college football towns, even in big cities where they yeah. do it. To me, that is something that needs to be preserved and the bigger you well, yeah, get well, yeah. the bigger you get yeah. any big game they're going to try to move it to a, a neutral site or move it to an indoor facility yeah. where it's like hey we get and i understand why you want to do that to me i i just there's already stuff to me that is taken and i get it everybody wants the mega sound system so much so that kind of the feel the the, the game day atmosphere with the band playing like so much so that people complain about here in rocky top I, I will say this i saw tennessee this is just a few i don't know 10 12 years ago Saw Tennessee, Georgia playing in Knoxville. I was like, oh, you're going to be getting sick of Rocky Top. 
the stadium was so loud with everything. Like, you could barely hear them. You, know, so you could barely hear them playing down there uh, in the corner of the end zone. So, uh, you know, I think that's one of those things that I would like to get back to some of that where you get more of the, hey, it's the band, it's the fans. It's, like, I don't need all the other stuff. I get oh, why you, it's cool. You got you to, you, you, listen, Kevin, you like when you turn the whole stadium red when you're Georgia and all them lights come on, I get it. It's cool. I, I was there. I didn't go in the stadium. But I was there <laughs> when Notre Dame played Georgia at Georgia. Think about that. Notre Dame has been to Georgia more than Texas A&M has. And Texas A&M was in the same conference. <laughs> but, people, but, but think about this. This is what people don't, this is what people don't uh, add, it to, add it to play. Uh, just say, you know, Texas, they got Arch Manning. They're going to oh, Ole Miss. Wait, well, case in point, what's Georgia's first game this year? Oregon. Oregon. Are they playing in Athens? No. No, they're playing in, in Atlanta. Atlanta. They're playing in Atlanta. And, 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 I, and I will say this. We're, we're going to have to have a distinction when it comes to certain stuff. Atlanta can't just be the scapegoat. Oh, we're going to go to Mercedes-Benz, go to Mercedes-Benz. No, 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 no. Because if it was the other way around, like, that's kind of the – call it what it is. That's the SEC kind of, you know, you know, throwing its weight around. Ain't nobody – if Oregon say, hey, man, you want to go – no. We don't want to, but but I do think that creating certain things is incredible. When Arch Manning is is at Texas and he comes to Ole Miss, oh you oh a Manning is coming. Arch Manning playing the Tennessee. Oh, we got a Manning. I think that kind of stuff does add to the. But when SEC comes, you already know one game is going to be neutral. Well, first game of the year, Florida Georgia. Everybody else, you already know it. We going to each other's spot now. The floor, I couldn't but even, I would love to see Georgia in out an Austin Stadium. Absolutely. I would love that. Absolutely. Because the thing is, right, and vice that's, that's what you're really getting. You've heard about the Texas uh, atmosphere right in Austin. You want to know what it's like. So now you're going to – all those teams are going to Austin. Austin have heard about the Swampers. They've heard about Between the Hedges. They've heard about, you know, our Death Valley. They're going to come – that kind of stuff. Because that's – because we're like, hey, hey, man, what? LSU, yeah. Is that Oklahoma this weekend? Yeah. I mean, they're in Norman. Yeah, like or they're no. playing at Jerry World. I mean, oh, you know, I mean, it, but, it, but, who knows? Now I will say this: you, oh, you already now. Texas versus Texas versus Arkansas. Arkansas has two stadiums. Arkansas's biggest. Well, I mean, I, Ar- I mean, Arkansas already plays Texas A&M in Dallas at so, Jerry World. They so, don't so, even like they, they already do that. Like I would, uh, why that's not a home at home? I don't. I mean, again, cause, 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 because, why are we doing because, this? Because at the end of the day, man, I'm like, look, man, stop acting as if college football. I'm gonna say this. <laughs> College football fans don't need help. They don't ask for neutral anything. What you doing that because the whole ticket thing? No. If it's that Arkansas, sorry, Texas, you're not going to have more seats there. Right, exactly. And, and, and vice versa. It's supposed to, man, we think that we know Vince Young. <laughs> it's not happening. You know? So I do. I am looking forward to some of these things that are already built in. But if I could do away anything, let's get rid of the neutral sites. Yeah. College games supposed to be played in college stadiums. You know why? Because they're bigger. Every I mean, time a lot know, of them. Yeah, a lot of them are. I, I mean, I yeah. mean much bigger. Outside of FedEx Field, which we don't know what the hell is going on in D.C. and Washington. <laughs> I think we, they're trying to build one in like West Virginia now. No, I'm just kidding. But like, they did have a stadium proposal that's like 50 minutes from downtown D.C. It's like, well, okay, like, what, okay, whatever. Dude. It is what it is yeah. at this point. But no, college as it gets bigger, I hope they hold on. Somebody's got to, and as we talked yesterday with Chris Gordy, who's looking out for stuff like that? Nobody. Nobody's looking out for stuff like that. We got more to come. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Hit us up on Twitter at Pigskin Radio. Good to have you along here, three and out. 
on this Thursday. Braves and Cardinals coming up later tonight. Braves trying to go for that sweep of the Cardinals. That would push them, Ben, to 10-3 and in their last 13 games against teams with winning records. But I thought it was the week schedule. We'll get to that. We'll get to that coming up in. I am. That has taken over. It has. Social media. And again, like everything else, it is of the most violent sort. It is. <laughs> this com- this comes down to the taste buds. The age-old debate, right? Is this an age-old debate? It is now. We're going to, we're going to, we're we starting stuff. I mean, first, first is, is it flax? You know, uh, you know, is it flax or is it drums? It's flax. Anyway, is ranch better than blue cheese? The answer to me is yes. Blue cheese is nasty as hell. I don't care what no one says. I'm sorry, man. Blue cheese. Uh, I don't like blue cheese one bit. Blue, blue cheese is made out of penicillin. Silum with an M. Okay, I know what it sounds like. Penicillin. You know, I mean, a mold. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that I mean, I, I've seen, I mean, I'll let all you guys duke it out on this. blue cheese is a semi-soft cheese with a sharp, salty flavor. It is made with cultures that is edible mold penicillin, penicillin, <laughs> giving it spots of veins throughout the cheese in, shade, in, in shades of blue or green. It carries a distinct smell either from the mold or from various uh, specific, specifically cultivated bacteria, such as, I can even say this, Brevibacterium lint. Li- Linens, linens, which yeah. which also causes foot, which also causes foot odor and a, and human body odor. So yeah, let me let, 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 look. It is. I mean, look. I, I'm just saying, blue cheese. To me, that, and people now, people look. People saying blue cheese is better. No, it is not. No, it is not. And number one, it's spelled wrong because, and the reason why they spell it wrong because it comes from uh, it comes from old. Is it the blue? Is it blue cheese or green cheese? Sometimes I say it be green. So you can look at the blue cheese. No, the green is good. Green is good. no, no. I don't want. I want my cheese white or yellow. I don't want them. I don't want them white with a hint of blue or green veins in them that come from penicillin that could that could cause foot odor or body odor. So people are like, man, your feet stink, man. I just had them wings. What? I, I had the blue cheese. Oh, 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 oh. So, uh, so hold on. No, here it is. If you're saying kind of half-assed, you're like, ah, uh, 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 so when Kevin was talking earlier about his sons not liking mac and cheese, they get it from their daddy. Hey, man, let me get in the way. You just, I don't need nothing to dip it, man. What? Nope, don't need nothing to dip it, man. No, no, the greatest thing ever was, Kevin goes, I don't really deal with ranch and blue cheese. Why? Because I don't, you know, I don't eat salads. Because <laughs> Kevin says, we don't have salad. We have, we have ranch or salad dressing with I sat like it could yeah, we, we like, <laughs> like li, li, yeah yeah literally every bite has ranch vinaigrette or some type of salad dressing on it. But the age old debate: blue cheese or ranch? It is ranch. You can at me. It is ranch at Pigskin Radio. It is ranch. Blue cheese. The fact that I know it comes from penicillin, a mold that causes. I mean, so now my feet stink because I had some blue cheese and I and I stank, period, because I ate blue cheese. So it gave me foot odor and body odor. For now, the end of time, all I'm going to 
I mean, I'm just saying. I mean, think about it. You walk, you walk up to me and somebody says, man, your feast ain't eating all that blue cheese, huh? Yep. <laughs> I mean. Yes, yeah, we are. Yeah, we are using mold known as penicillin with an M, and it's gonna and it's gonna cause your feet to stink and your body to stink. But you're gonna tear them wings up. Yeah. So, so we gotta do the Kevin Thomas wings. No dipping sauce, none. But if you're gonna dip, there it is. What's gonna happen first? Kevin's gonna dip or sauce or gonna eat mac and cheese. <laughs> Yeah, come on. People that eat hot wings like, oh, I get the nuclear. I I like the hot stuff. You wimp. Uh huh. And then they get the nuclear wings like, oh, I gotta have like thirty eight ranch. <laughs> That's called diluting. You're not as tough as you think. You are. Oh yeah. Hot wing guy. Just oh, eat them. Just eat them. If you look, biggest part of I love hot stuff. Don't put any ranch or blue cheese. If you get them atomic nuclear melt my face, eat them as they come like that. Suck it up, buttercup. Let's get right. Live with your choice. Burn your face off. That's all. Kevin say stop. Listen, Kevin say, oh, I'm the wimp because no, no. You uh, let me let me get let me get six let me get six extra ranches. Why? Cause. Cause those nuclear wings are burning my. I have a tongue left. What? They got some show on YouTube. They do that kind of stuff. I I say that because I know you do that. You get them like extra hot. Oh, I'm against. Oh, I'm. Oh, oh. You get them extra hot and then I I you coat the. Oh, I'm gonna coat it. I'm gonna coat it. I'm gonna coat it. You even taste the I, now, one time, I'm not gonna say. I'm not gonna say. I'm not gonna say who. They stuck a blue cheese in there, and I'm like, something taste right about my wing. I'm like, y'all slipping on your pimping, man. What's going on? Then I look. I said, blue cheese. I said, number one, you spelled it wrong, and it's nasty. I said, well, we got some. You know, we. You know, we. I'm saying, why not just get mild? If you're gonna coat the whole thing, I'm gonna coat it. Regard, I'm a coater. I mean, yeah. I, 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 listen, I don't, I don't. I'm not a. I'm not one of those people. Listen, I, I like slightly spicy a little bit. Oh, I'm going. I'm, I'm getting in there. I will stick. And, and when it's, and when it's down to the bottom, I'm sticking my finger in there, and I'm just putting it on there. And guess what? If I only had some vanilla ice cream, I would dip it in that. I don't care. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. I don't do it like that. that listen, a hot wing. You can't eat but like one or two. You can barely smell it. Like, oh no, sorry, people, because as my granddad would say, "What goes in must come out," Absolutely. and I'm not dealing with it. I'm not. Welcome back. It is three and out here on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop. A lot of college football talk still to come. The Braves playing really well uh, right now. Ben, have a chance to sweep the Cardinals. And going back, I think uh, they've won nine of their last ten against St. Louis. You go back to uh, several years back and the Mike Fulton-Avich game and people was, where he gave, they gave up ten runs in the playoff game. 
And people say, well, that was a long time ago. If you remember in the COVID year where they only played 60 games, you only played your division, right? You only played the Eastern Division or teams that were in the American League East uh, so you didn't have to travel time zones and all that kind of stuff. So they didn't play the Cardinals. So since that game, I believe the Braves are 9-10 and 10 against the Cardinals. So uh, payback coming in a uh, big, big way. We'll talk about that coming up in just a little bit as well. College football, the changing landscape. Uh, ben, want to get your thoughts on Notre Dame coming up. They are the big fish, but are they actually looking out for college football? Is their own... I'm no, I, you're shaking your head. I, I, it's just something my strange brain <laughs> thought about, and I want to bring it to the table. Kevin, like, Kevin, Kevin's putting on his commissioner hat. Is their own, is their own independence and their own self-interest actually good for college football right now? I'll give you my case. You could tell me I'm full of it and say, hey, if the price is right, they'll, they'll blow the whole thing up. Well, everything okay. has a price now. I, I, I get it, but I want to, I just want to bring that to the discussion. You know, everybody's. Notre Dame, Notre Dame, Notre Dame, Notre Dame, Notre Dame. People love to hate on Notre Dame, right? I mean, because they that march brand, to the beat. That, 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 that brand is serious. They do. They march to the beat of their own drummer. I don't know if they got a commissioner or, or AD or whatever. AD. He, he walks around in a gold robe with flip-flops <laughs> on and says, I don't care how y'all feel about me. That's what he does. <laughs> and his robe got a hood on it. He's just uh, chilling. No, you know, look. <laughs> look, man, I, look. Jack Swarbrick does a good job, I think, but I I will lay out my case. Are they keeping some of this stuff from happening? Because the Big Ten, I mean, obviously they fielded phone calls from Oregon and Washington, and the response they got was, hold up, not yet. Not, hey, it's never going to happen. It was, hold up, not yet. Let us see what Notre Dame has to say about the situation. So if Notre Dame said no, might they actually be keeping college football in a better state, in a better state. I didn't say it was the best state, but a better state. I'll lay out my case for that coming up in the final hour. Also, training camps start pretty soon, and I know we had a lot of hey, uh, <laughs> could we be seeing Russell Wilson 2.0 going? Now Falcons fans are getting awful positive about something else. I want to, uh, I want to run that by Ben coming up in the final hour of the program as well. It is three and out. Southern Pigskin Radio Network. We're coming right back. Hit us up on Twitter, at Pigskin Radio. Also streaming live Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. And go to our YouTube channel, ESPN Coastal, and follow us along there as well. We're coming right back, three and out, on this Thursday. Final hour of three and out here on this Thursday. He has been Troop. I'm Kevin Thomas. Glad you are with us. We're talking uh, Falcons training camp coming up very, very soon. The Braves, man, they are rocking and rolling. Uh, two and a half games behind the Mets after last night's game and have a chance to sweep the uh, the Cardinals coming up tonight. We'll get to that coming up in just a little bit. But, Ben, I want to start off here. Is Notre Dame actually good for college football in what they're doing right now? And I know you were shaking your head and said no. But Notre Dame's, and again, people love to hate on Notre Dame. But if you are a traditionalist, if you are, hey, I want it to stay as regional as possible. I mean, the genie is already out of the bottle with USC and UCLA. They aren't going back. I get it. But if you are for college football not becoming a P2 and withering away on the vine, is Notre Dame actually doing a good thing by sticking to their guns, sticking to that Notre Dame arrogance that keeps them in the pool? We're Notre Dame. We do what we want. No, Big Ten. We're not doing it. Aren't they what's keeping college football 
somewhat the way it is, keeping the ACC together. Because a lot of people think if Notre Dame dips on the ACC, then who's who's sticking? Notre Dame goes to the Big Ten. Well, the SEC is not going to stand by and let that happen. You you talk about probably the further destruction of the Pac-12 because Notre Dame would give the Big Ten 17 teams, and well, that just doesn't work, right? You can't. You don't want to have an odd number of teams. So you Notre Dame maybe been single-handedly for the moment is keeping the Pac-12 and ACC afloat. It may even be keeping the Big 12 relevant at this point because at least there's something to hold on to there. The, the Big 12 now has teams they could probably go out and poach. But is Notre Dame's, you can call it arrogance if you want, mm-hmm. actually saving the fabric of college football in that we're not seeing mega uh, mega conferences just yet. We're not seeing the dissolution of power conferences in the name of money. Am I off base here, or am I? Could the team that everybody loves to hate uh-huh. actually be doing something that is good for the game? We asked earlier this week, who's watching out for the game of college football? Nobody. They're counting dollars. Could Notre Dame? I'm not saying they're doing it on purpose. I'm not saying like they're walking around with a banner of altruism. They're looking out for their own self-interest. But in their own self-interest, are they actually doing something that is going to benefit college football and keeping it as it is? For, for, for now, yes. Like, for, for right now, yes. This is, this is what Notre Dame is doing. Notre Dame has the ultimate leverage. Notre Dame has already been highly sought after by the Big Ten. They told them no. Right? They told them no. Reportedly, yeah. Reportedly, yeah. They told Mr. Warren no. Kevin Warren. I said Rick Warren earlier. That's totally inverse. <laughs> Kevin Warren. I'm sorry. Um... But it's the thing, Kevin. We already know this. Everybody, everything has a price. Notre Dame, we know right now, is keeping the ACC afloat, but they don't. They don't even want to participate in the ACC during, you know, for football. The Pac-12. Well, kind of. They play five games well, that well, aren't conference of. games, but they play five. Games. Yeah, I. But yeah. But it's the thing about Notre Dame. Notre Dame knows. Hey, man, do we want to give up our individuality to kind of go with the confines of a conference? Because we have proven that we don't need one. But this is what Notre Dame is really saying. We didn't. We don't need one as it's currently constituted. If you go to Power Two, we might need to be in one of them because we're going to play the teams that left. Well, that's not going to be saying much. Then we're not going to have the same negotiating tactic. No, dude, because we asked you to come over here, Big Ten, so we're not going to play you now. We're not going to give you access to us when you told us no. SEC, no, we asked you to come through. You said no. So go and play the Big 12. Go and play the Pac-12 or whatever's left of that, right? I just think that now, Kevin, yes, that when you start talking about Notre Dame, Notre Dame is saying, man, we're used to being able to move the way we want to move. We're not under the con- – we, we, it's, it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like if, if, if this is a state, we're a private school, right, operating with all you public schools, you got to fall up under the confine. No, nope. we'll pick who we want to play, deal with, the, deal, with the cons- deal with the consequences. Right now, Kevin, that's working. But you know, just like I know, the days of four, four teams in the college football, because we know the Dame, right? Right now, you don't have an image problem. I don't think you're ever really going to have one. No. But you want to show, hey, man, we just need to be in the college football playoff. We don't got to win it. Well, how do you get in if you're not in the conference? Oh, what's working now? Yeah. But that's why but, I think for now, though, they are keeping it. Oh, okay. I mean, they're, they're keeping well, it in a spot where, hey. It's like this. If, if, have, if, if, if the Big Ten has reportedly been told, no. I'm in the ACC. Or is it no today? I don't know. But oh, you know, and Greg Sankey, you know, in the ACC, we like this. All right. What you offering? 
<laughs> if you want me to come. Because I go back to this. Most of us in life have never, ever been in a situation to be highly sought after. So when you say, oh, I wouldn't matter, you don't know. You don't know. PGA, live tour. There's no way, right? Okay. Yeah, and just so, this week, Roy McElroy's like, maybe the live and PGA tour should sit down and talk it out. Oh, check this out. Cause I you mean. Because you, know, you, know, you know who Rory talks to behind the scenes? Other golfers. <laughs> Hey, dude, it's really like that. Hey, hey, and they taking care of your caddy. What you mean? His whole family. <laughs> you don't got Yeah, like, so they good. I didn't mean to go off that far. I'm just saying, but I Kevin. Did, I did see a picture of the, I guess, the private plane that the live golfers are traveling on. My God. It is that nice. thing's like an Airbus with a lounge in it and everything. I was like, okay. oh, yeah. Think about this, Kevin. Think about this. And, and you make a great point when you say that. Anyway. See, all we see is on the surface stuff. We see the money. We see the prestige. We don't know what the perks. No, everything you do, if you're highly sought after, comes with perks, right? Lincoln Riley goes to USC. You know what was a perk? They got to, they got to buy both of his cribs <laughs> in freaking Norman. You got to buy both of them. So that's $500,000 a piece. So that's an extra meal. Then he gets a crib out there. Now he's in the Big Ten. <laughs> no, I'm telling you, Kevin, crazy. what Notre Dame is doing is saying, look, man, y'all want us, man. You got to, you, you got to tell us why. Because we're the one brand that everybody could use. Everybody could use this brand. Everybody. We talk about SEC Media Days, ACC Media Days, Big Ten Media Days, Big 12 Media Days, Pac-12 Media Days. Who going to have Notre Dame there? Huh? And No, I mean, I understand. I, I, but, Kevin, but you are right. No, Notre Dame is doing it for selfish reasons, but it's still good for college You football. can do things selfishly that benefit others. Of I mean, course. I like I, I, I of course. And so I, I understand it's about, but I, I just look at it for as much distaste as Notre Dame gets from the college football uh, fandom community out there where it's like, and, and I get it. Hey, we do our own thing. We deserve special treatment. All the stuff that gets fans upset, right? Hey, why do you get special treatment to get into the college football playoff? Because we're Notre Dame. If you could do it, you would, right? I, and so, but, but, but them staying independent-ish, I think is keeping the ACC together right now. And it's probably helping us not go to a P2 situation where everything's on the table and you could be talking about 2024 team Super Leagues that I think a lot of traditional college football fans aren't too excited about. So look at Notre Dame and say, hey, maybe you'll like them a little bit more today. I'm not saying you got to pull for them. I'm not saying you got to root for them to score touchdowns against your favorite team. But maybe you just take a step back oh, and go, Notre Dame, uh, hey, oh, oh, oh. by you being selfish, uh-huh. you are preserving Whoa. some of this stuff out here, oh, at least okay, in the short okay. term. Okay. Oh, here it is. Notre Dame is in the line. They got the, it's, 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 a pre, it's a premier to get in. Notre Dame's in the line. You know, Oregon's in the line. Washington's in the line. No, Notre Dame oh, doesn't stand in any no, no, line. No, no, they're trying to blend in. <laughs> they're not dressed in there. Gold and blue, right? <laughs> and somebody's walking in saying, sorry, sorry. All sold out, people. No more room. Oh, man. And they're walking away. And somebody goes, yo. <laughs> Wait a yo, minute. Yo, no, today. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, man. Oh, we I'm just sorry. found a seat. <laughs> we here. I'm sorry, man. Come on. And they got to walk. They walking by. You know, see so UW. They walking by Oklahoma State. They walking by TCU. They're thinking, man, look at, look at. Because they go, and they say, man, how do you do that? Listen, and before they walk in, Notre Dame look back and say, because we know the day. <laughs> and they walk, because that's what this is about. Like, Kevin, that, listen, that's what this is about. So Notre Dame is using, listen, Notre Dame say this may be the last bit of, and Kevin, they're going to say, think about it, breaking news. Notre Dame is with so-and-so conference. 
That means, that means, just say certain schools say, oh, they wouldn't, they wouldn't they'd go to the SEC. That's a lie. Any team getting offered by the SEC is going to come. But once Notre Dame is in, they said, do we? Do they? They just got so. I, We'll see what happens, but yes, I do like the fact that No Day was kind of keeping everything, keeping the waters a lot less muddy. But where Greg Sankey goes, I want a meeting. All right. Let me take my robe off because I, I walk around <laughs> in the robe, put on, some, put on a suit, nice fresh suit. No, Kevin, I, I, I mean, you're right. The, listen, the Evil Empire known as Notre Dame. They are they are kind of keeping college football afloat. But I we talked to we talked to Matt Smith earlier, and Matt, like, oh God. <laughs> We're gonna have to go to a conference. <laughs> We're gonna have to, you know, follow the rules. <laughs> Matt doesn't like because Matt like having leverage. Matt like saying, like, "We don't." No, I, no, I, no, I get it. But I, I, I just look at it and say, if you are a college football traditionalist and you are. Not too keen on mega conferences and hey, we're gonna have a team from Rutgers playing in California regularly, and you know who the heck knows what that means because everybody knows. Even if you're the SEC, right? If if the Big Ten goes bigger, you go bigger, right? You're kind of tied at this point. So, do you go national if you're the SEC, or can you be regional national? Which I think they could. Yeah, because in this so thing, many options. and it's true. I mean, it's so many things. Like Notre Dame is the thing, but Notre Dame sticking where they're at. For the time being, I think think because you you see all kind of speculation, and I think a lot of people look at it and uh, on the field situation. And I think Matt said something that's kind of interesting. You know, relatively speaking, Clemson and Florida State, they're new money, right? Bama, Tennessee, Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State—they're old money. They've had it for a long, long time, and so when you hear things. Like, I've seen it where you're like, well, why would the SEC go after Virginia? Why would they go after North Carolina? They're only good in basketball. It still ain't even about that. Look around your league, and you want to talk about fitting in to the culture, to the league, to the brand, as Ben talked about the brand. Start naming off the teams of the SEC, take one hard look, and then say North Carolina, Virginia. You literally have the flagship school in every single state yep. in the South. Yep. Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, Georgia, Florida, Alabama, Missouri, Mississippi. Well, LSU is the biggest one uh, in Louisiana. And you got, Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas. You literally have what, them all. What does the SEC have? And people don't got to like it. The SEC has the flagship universities and the biggest brand. What do you mean? Georgia ain't no bigger brand of, uh, than the Falcons. Uh, yes, they are. <laughs> and, no, and, I'm saying, but and, but, and, 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 but like you say, Kevin, it's, it's one of those things. Say, look, man, we want the universities, the flagship universities in these cities, in these states. Yeah, and it's, like you say, it just goes with it. People say they're only good at basketball. Okay, it's still the University of North Carolina. These states, and, and, we got the University of Virginia, we got the University of North Carolina, we got the University of Florida, we got the University, you know, what I'm saying, of Mississippi, we got Mississippi State University, we got Auburn University, we got, you know, what I'm saying, University of Alabama, University of Georgia, University of Tennessee, University of Texas, University of Oklahoma. You don't, I'm telling you, you have the biggest, baddest brand in every state. Greg I mean, Sankey, what, listen, Greg Sankey finna get in shape and take a picture, you know, what I'm saying, flexing on everybody. <laughs> he should. Because he's the man right now. Yep. I think he's going to have a heck of a State of the Union coming up at uh, SEC Media Days in a couple of weeks. We'll come back. Speaking of a couple of weeks, training camp's going to get started. Could the Falcons be flexing on anybody? We'll see. I'm, I'm starting to see some, th- some, some Falcons fans, Ben. 
starting to feel a, a little bit. Again, it's the season of optimism, so we're gonna ta- we're gonna tap into that. It's three and out. Southern Pigskin Radio Network. It is three and out on this Thursday. Braves and Cardinals coming up. We'll get to that in just a little bit. But Ben, we heard a lot of folks talking about the young man out of Cincinnati playing quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons, giving everybody Russell Wilson vibes. We said, calm down. Now we're a couple of weeks out from training camp, starting to see Falcons fans out there on uh, the social media. Some of them starting to feel themselves a little bit. Say, talking to the say, hey, say, 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 low key could. Could this Falcons team be, like, okay on defense? Is Terry Fontenot putting in some quiet work, getting solid defensive guys on the cheap that could come in and play? What say you, Ben? Is this another summer optimism? Or when you look at guys like Lorenzo Carter, uh, Kwiatkowski, some of those other guys that have come in on a cheap, can you have a decent defense with guys who are still, as you said, playing for their NFL careers? There on that Atlanta Falcons defense. Yes. The, the are you buying it, it though? Are they down? Uh, are they, could they down low be good? Like I say, good. Like could they be like top twenty on defense? Uh, like that's a low key key. Like, it's, it's, <laughs> I don't know what the lowest key is on the piano, but it's way down there. I will say this though. Terry Fontenot was in a very very uh, you know like he was in a, he was in a squeeze. He he have he have no money to work with. So you go get Lorenzo Carter. Right, I think had eight and a half sacks, something like that last year with um with the Giants. You'll get a case of Hayward. Georgia native, right? Coming back home, had, had has had a stellar career. Um, <clears throat> former Pro Bowler. You'll get a tease table, former second round pick out of Florida, kind of trying to find his niche. So now you got a corner to go on the other side of AJ Terrell in case Hayward, and you got a guy in Tease Table who can play the corner position and the slot position. Okay. You start, you you know, you go out there and you get a guy like Eddie Goldman. You know, I think seven-year veteran out of Florida State, big D tackle to kind of go along with Grady Jair. All right. Okay. You're starting <laughs> to get me a little bit. All right. Cool, cool, cool. Deion Jones is, is going to be a piece. Is he going to Is he going to be a camp casualty because of the salary cap hit? Probably. But if you can get him, okay. Here it is, though. Here it is. Troy Anderson. This is where you're bad or good? This, 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 this is where the question mark is, right? <laughs> All right. Key contributors, right? Arnold, Arnold Ebegiti. Right? All right. Out of Penn State. He's going to be a starter. Right? You start talking about Troy Anderson. Very raw. Linebacker position. You start talking about D'Angelo Malone, outside linebacker. Now, you're going to have to get production from rookies. But rookies that don't, that, that's going to have veterans, if T's table, Casey Hayward, you know, Goldman, Marlon Davidson out of Auburn. The thing about it is this. A guy that has not been productive doesn't mean he can't be super productive. I can see what people are saying is. I can see why they're saying low-key. Lorenzo Carter, all right, man, he needs to be in the system that he's going to be the guy. So we're going to put you in a position to where you're going to be the guy on third down. Grady Jarrett got a big body next to him. Marlon Davis, and you talk about Goldman. Okay, we, we've addressed that. Deion Jones going to have to help Anderson the company. You know what I'm saying? The D'Angelo uh, Malone is going to have to learn from Lorenzo Carter. Casey Hayward is going to be able to help A.J. Terrell take his game to the next level. You know what I haven't mentioned? Haven't mentioned safety. <laughs> See, the thing about the Falcons defense is you need it on all three levels. You need D-line, you need linebackers, you need secondary. Now, A.J. Terrell has proven top five talent 
when they got the hell beat out of last year with him on that defense, he did his thing. He's one guy. What about the other ten guys? The safety position is going to have to get shored up. Kevin Grant and company, they're going to have to. They're going to have to grow up. They're going to have to go out there and you know uh, get good in a hurry. Now, the the words here is low key good. Low <laughs> key means low expectations, right? But Kevin, you mentioned you say in the twenties. If the Falcons can be in the twenties, that would be a quantum or under, leap under twenty. Yeah. Yeah, I guess they, the 15 to 20 range. If they can get from 15 to 20, that's complimentary defense. That's complimentary. For an offense, then let's face it, we don't know what's going to be going on over there. Right. So, if I can get contributors from a D-line that can get off on third down, that can rush the pass, that can, that can, that can come on, man, act like you want to stop the run. Jesus, like, act like you want to stop it. You can stop the run. You can force uh, teams into, you know, non-manageable third downs, like third and six. Yep. Third and seven, not third and two. Third and one, you're getting off the field. A.J. Terrell, I think, is going to just keep on flourishing in his role. As I mentioned, Casey Hayward, coming, he's, he's, he's done it on several teams. T. Tabor, fighting for his NFL life. Lorenzo Carter, fighting for his NFL life. Deion Jones could be fighting for his NFL life. But those guys are going to have to step in and help these young guys. Grant, in the safety position, they're going to have to, they're gonna have to find a way to really, really make some strides. Because Kevin... It won't mean nothing if you got a bad secondary, and I mean the safeties. Now, if the safeties can be, if the safeties can play good football, because now you're gonna have cornerbacks that gonna be telling you, "Look, man, I got your back," but you got you guys got to be ready to come up and make tackles. You know, cover tight ends. You know, uh, you know, cover guys in the slot. If that can happen, who knows? Because the best defense, I think, in the NFC South, ugh, is it? I it. Mm, it might be well. It might be the Saints because they just added, you know. I mean, they got they got a uh, you know uh, they got Cameron Jordan. You know, they got freaking uh, Honey Badger. You know, they got uh you know uh, I mean I mean they they got I mean I can't remember who they just added, but they they've been adding guys all around. But Chauncey Gardner, you know Johnson, those guys. But Kevin, once again, this is about being able to say. That we are a reason a, a low key defense is good enough to win you a game, meaning it's twenty three to twenty. You playing the Saints, you need to stop, right? You need to stop. So that means if this is the game, AJ Terrell, uh, he's probably on he's probably on Michael Thomas, right? Casey Hayward, he's on the live, right? That means that T's Tabor, he's got to stop Jarvis Landry. Deion Jones or, or, or Anderson or whatever, they're going to have to stop Alvin Kamara. This, 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 this is how it comes down. And if Jameis Winston picks up the first down, I, <laughs> I, I'm going to lose my freaking mind. But I, I just think that, Kevin, that's for football is I get certain guys for certain things. Tease, can you cover in the slot? Yeah. That means you're going to have Jarvis Landry and company, man. That's, that, that, that's, those are guys you're going to have. All right, Casey. Do you got do you got a couple of years left in you? I don't need you to be all pro, Casey Hayward, but I can't. I need you to be very, very solid. Yep, I all pro is AJ Terrell. He's gonna get the best receiver on every team. He's gonna get Mike Williams, you know, and so on and so forth, right? Um, I I just I just think that now, Kevin, when you start thinking about this Falcons defense, they get certain guys. Troy Anderson, he's raw, but he's athletic. I can run, I can hit. I just got to learn how to play the position. I got to learn to play the scheme. Because if I do. I can, I can go out there and do with the best of them. Lorenzo Carter, hey, can you give me double-digit sacks? 
Elite status in the NFL is double-digit sacks if you are a DN outside linebacker. The hardest thing to do is double-digit sacks. Ten sacks, yes. It is incredibly difficult. Kevin, did we go through the list? I said, look, oh, man, sure. out, of, out of 64, I think, what, 10 of them, 11 of them had double digits. And then and it went from 12, 13, 9 to, to 6. Five. It's hard. It's hard to do. So, if they can get some guys to learn the system in a hurry, they got a shot to be. They got a shot to be good because they they're getting veterans with rookies with athleticism, knowledge, wisdom, understand the game. That's how you win. You need a blend of look at the Braves, older talent, young talent, personalities, culture, winning. Falcons, huh? I don't I don't know. They don't have a culture right now. Like they they just don't. So while they're building the culture, let's put some young guys. And for a defense or a team that has no money, Terry Fano has done a hell of a job. I mean, Eddie Goldman coming over from the coming over from the uh, uh, the Bears, huge. Marla Davidson got to grow up, right? Grant got to grow up, right? Lorenzo Carter, hey, fighting for your football life. You want to you want to you want to you want to quote really get your mama house? Well, you gonna have to go out there and get an extension to where you getting? Cause one year deals mean, hey man, we'll give you a little something. That's about it. So I will, you know, obviously, Kevin, my my buying is I have. To, How many of those guys have to play above themselves for that to happen? In your estimation. Basically, what I'm getting at is when you hear people say that, how much of that is wishful thinking versus the reality of, Marlon, Marlon, of, what, of where they're Marlon at? Davis is going to have to play above, above, above what, he, what he has been because he's the youngest he tackled. He's 23, 24 years old, right? Right. Grady Jarrett just got to stay consistent. If Deion Jones is there, he got to not only play well, he got the mentor. I think, I think Casey Hayward. Like, do you expect Lorenzo Carter to come in and push for – Double-digit sacks. Yes. He, yes. No, I'm not, well, I mean, you're saying because, 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 And I say that because nobody else has done because, it. Because, really, because, because what happens for... is, Kevin, double-digit sacks means I am a consistent – I'm consistently – I'm winning more than – I have winning snaps more uh, than bad than losing snaps when you talk about rushing the passer. The Bolsa brothers, they don't win every snap, but it feels like they do because those quarterbacks, they cannot make a mistake. They're going to push the pocket. They're going to force the quarterback to step up in the pocket. If the quarterback tries to get outside the pocket, they're going to be there. And if that tackle makes a mistake, that's a sack. Those are elite pass rushes. Elite pass rushes, hey, man, you better have an elite tackle or it's going to be a long day for your quarterback. Lorenzo, Lorenzo's kind of in that, uh, you know, I mean, he's kind of in that role to where that you haven't really seen uh, a long time with the Falcons, and that's having a consistent pass rusher. Consistent, consistent on the outside means guys on the inside get to eat. Grady Jarrett is very, very underrated uh, type of player he is, stopping the run and the pass. Sure. Goldman is going to help out with that. Marlon Davidson needs you to grow up. I think if Deion Jones is not there, it's going to be it's going to be a struggle because you know Anderson, you know, uh, and uh, D'Angelo Malone, they're going to have to learn the position. Malone's going to have to learn it from Lorenzo uh, Carter, obviously. Uh, but a guy that's going to have to really step up though, Lorenzo. Carter, Ebegiti, you gonna have to grow up as a. I'm not saying now you'll take double digit sacks, but I need. I mean, I, but how many rookies come in and, and realistically, I mean, you're gonna get bodied I by mean, Pro Bowl tackles, right? Parsons, I mean, I understand that, but but, 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 but most you know, of those guys. But are you gonna, know what it is? I mean, even even like you know the Chase Youngs of the world or the uh, uh, the Javon Curses of the world. The reason why these guys are able to first is because the guys around them are good, like. And so, so I think. That All right. So, who around him is good right now for the Falcons? Lorenzo Carter is good. I think he can help Ebagiti understand that. Look, dude, my job is to show you how to win. Like, like this is what you you have to win. Football is how many reps do I win? Meaning, I don't always get the sack, but if I'm almost if I'm almost touching that quarterback, I'm making him I'm making him react quicker. 
Like, it didn't always get, sack me, I beat my man, and the quarterback held the ball long enough. A great pass rushing me, I got to get it out. Like, Reggie White, Simeon Rice, you know, uh, you know, the great, the guy, the guy, the guys, the guys that's really, really did it, and they did it at a consistent level. That means that, hey, I'm in this quarterback's head. If he holds this rock, I got him. That's a great pass rush. Von Miller, you can't hold it. Aaron Donald, you can't hold a rock. Because if you do, it's going to be a problem. Either I, either you so worried about me that you don't feel the, the pocket closing in on you, or I'm so worried about the pocket closing in on me, I'm getting sacked, I'm getting sacked right here in front of me. Grady Jarrett's going to give you consistent pass rush. Marlon Davidson, got to grow up. And I'm giving you more coaches speak. Coaches say, man, you got to grow up, man. We pay you too much money for you to just be out there. Right? You went to Auburn, right? Yeah, well, that ain't Auburn. <laughs> we need you to go out there and get to the quarter. Because, Kevin, if – if Grady Jarrett can get some consistent help from Ebigiti, from, from Lorenzo Carter, he got guys behind him now like A.J. Terrell, Casey Hayward, Tease Tabor, they got a shot to be okay because when the expectations are low, play can be very high because then nobody expects you to do something. Hopefully they'll use it as a motivation because the same Falcons team, even though it's different, are the reason why the Saints did not make the playoffs because they beat them at their place, even though the Saints won at home. I mean, won at, won at the Falcons' place uh, last game of the year. That's how you got to look at it, meaning we're playing spoiler. Somebody's going to win the division. There will be no wild card, meaning if we don't get in, the Panthers, we we don't want to be bottom feeders, and we want to let the Saints know. You know, I know y'all got a dome down there. We got a dome over here. Let's see who the, let's, the battle of the dome. Let's, 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 let's see who's going to make it <laughs> See happen. who comes out on top. Yeah. We got more to come here. It is three out. Braves and Cardinals coming up here in just a little bit. Braves, they are on a roll going for a sweep tonight. We'll break it down next. It's three and out. Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you along here in his three and out on this Thursday. Braves and Cardinals coming up tonight. 605 will have pregame coverage. Braves win it three to nothing last night. Max Freed does Max Freed things. Six innings, no runs. And again, that old sage uh, saying, Ben, if the other team doesn't score, well, you got a pretty good chance at winning. And the uh, the Braves did it last night. They win three nothing. Two and a half games. They stay behind the Mets. Continue to play well. Again, Mets fans, if you're out there. I thought it was the Braves' soft schedule as to why they were playing so well, but uh, since that kind of soft schedule came to a close, Braves are 9-3 and three in their last 12 against teams with winning records. So uh, push that narrative uh, aside. And you also had, uh, obviously you're in the Cards heads, Cardinals' heads a little bit, Miles Mikolas, who was the starting pitcher, going after the game saying, look, I'm not trying to say anything, but, and then you're going to say something that makes you sound ridiculous, he was talking about the Braves stepping out and saying, look, I thought we had a pitcher's clock. Is there a hitter's clock? They're in there. I'm right. And since then, everybody's like, what are you talking about? This was like the fastest game the Cardinals have played all year. And so now, are you in the Cardinals' heads a little bit, Ben? You've won 9 out of 10 against the Card- last 10 against the Cardinals and a chance to go for the sweep tonight. Yes, of course you are. Because, I mean, when, when listen, when uh – when pitchers are making nonsensical type remarks, and obviously they got to listen, they got to, they got to hear them out. They saying like, "Dude, what are you talking about? This is a, this is the quickest game ever. Two two hours and thirty minutes. That's a solid day, right?" And then when you start talking about this Braves team, is they've had their way with this Cardinals team. Like, so the last thing you want is a team to be in your head, and and the Braves are. Hopefully they stick to their winning ways, Kevin. And like I say, contributions from so many guys all around, and momentum is a real thing. Culture is a real thing, and. The thing about this Braves team, Kevin, is look, Max Free, one of the best in the league, one of the best in the bigs, right? Uh, you know, you look at Rosario, he, you know, he's making contributions coming back. You know, you look, you, you know, you look at what guys like Travis Darno means. I mean, you look at what guys 
like Dansby Swanson doing, Matt Olsen are doing, Austin Riley. When you have a team, when you have a when you have a batting order like this, meaning I go into the game saying today could be my night, but even if I'm not, it's going to be somebody's. The, lat, the what makes the Braves scary is somebody go look, man. They can have back to back jacks. That's enough to win the game, right? Three to zero. It is hard to keep a team in the bigs from scoring. That is hard to do. So I think for a team in the Cardinals is very very respectable. I think they said yesterday or something like that. Albert Pujols is the oldest player in the bigs, and Michael Harris is the youngest player. That's right. In the, I think Michael Harris like so many days old when <laughs> when when uh, you know when Michael you know, say, was uh, he when even, Pujols was he uh, even in this world I, when he, Albert he, Pujols started he, playing major league. It's a home run, you know, probably <laughs> Albert Pujols. But I, I just think that when I when I look at this Braves team, once again, their culture is infectious. How can Michael Harris come on the team, never played in Double A, never played in Triple A, and have the type of impact? Because they said, do what you do. What does he do? Watch him at watch him watch him out there in center field. And obviously you see what he's doing with his bat. Dan Responsive can't even remember that he started off the season horrendous. Best shortstop in baseball. You you don't got to like it. The numbers prove that. Matt Olson, we don't even talk about Freddie Free. Thank God we don't play the Dodgers <laughs> anymore. I, I couldn't even deal with that. Austin Riley is proving, Kevin, that he's not just a one season wonder with a season he had last year. And Ozzy is hurt right now. So all I'm saying is when you look at this Braves lineup, once we realize that Azuna does not belong in sure. the outfield, he does not. Yeah, there's so many other options. He but, need but, to be but, but you still win it, Kevin. Like I said, maybe they're trying to do it in July what they did in June, which I would love that. You saw what they did in June. If they can keep them winning ways in July, pre, I mean, I know we're getting close to the All-Star game, but pre-All-Star game, I think they're getting it done. And to those Mets fans, hey, man. Y'all knew this NL East wasn't just going to be handed to you yeah. guys. We'll see what happens. I think the second half of the season I, is going to be incredible. I think I saw it today. The Braves are 26-7 and seven in their last 33 games. That is, that is a heck of a streak uh, that you were on. And, again, it's all setting up next week. You come out of the weekend. Come Monday, it's Braves and Mets, Ben. And you're right there before the All-Star break playing the New York Mets. And, again, you took over first place towards the end of July last year and ran away with it. Here we are coming up on the All-Star break again. If this thing is a game and a half, two and a half games going into that Mets series, and you pass the Mets right before the All-Star break, might that be some kind of momentum pushing you into the, the second half? And as, you, as we've talked about, you know this team's going to add, and you don't have to go out and mortgage the future to add. You're going to add through just guys getting healthy. Tyler Matzik just came out back. Pitched tremendously well. Eddie Rosario got his eyes. I, I don't know what they did to his eyes, but it worked. <laughs> he has come out and, and really played like a completely different player uh, since coming back. You're going to get Ozzie Albies back probably in September. I, again, if not for Spencer Strider, like blowing through the most innings he's ever pitched in his career, as you said, you're not even thinking about Mike Soroka having to come back. At one point early in the season, you are like, Man, he might, he might need to get healthy sooner rather than later so you can get a, a, another veteran presence in that rotation. You haven't really heard a whole lot about, hey, we need to get him back. Like, they want him back, but as far as rushing him back, yes. that conversation hasn't really been had. Which, like, hey, which, is, which, is great, which is great for, which is great sure. for him. But it's, it's torture for him mentally. I get it. But, Kevin, like we said, as great as this, as great as this pitching staff is, led by Max Freed, you get a chance to potentially add a Mike Soroka to where, look, man, same, we're going to say the same thing we told, you know, Acuna. We're going to work you back slowly, man. There's no rush to get you back because we want to make sure that when you're back in the lineup, you stay in it. 
Because I don't know what ha- I don't know what happened when you started talking about his you know, uh, his injury, but that's how great the Braves are. Mike Soroka hasn't been heard from in almost two calendar years, and that's n- that's not his fault. Going the World Series without freaking Acuna, <laughs> like these things don't happen. So to these people saying all the thing about the the Braves are a part of the MLB fabric, you don't got to like it. Most franchises. Pro franchises, you're never going to see them win anything. Not the World Series, not the Super Bowl. The Braves, I'm sorry, man. The way in which they're doing it. And thank God for Snit with his, um, you know, Snit got this, uh, even if he's happy, he got the smile to show it. He's going to be like, we all, we, we still can get better, still can get better. And to me, that's a sign of a good manager of saying, we, they, but, but behind the scenes, Snit's grandkids, yes, he does have grandkids. I don't have to, yes. They're saying, Grandpa, man, I, hey, listen, Michael Harris, because like you said, Kevin, with a, Listen, Acuna is still out of this world. Like the top vote getter gonna start in, in gonna start an all-star game. But Michael Harris, if he had been on the team a month and a half earlier, you think he could have potentially became an all-star, depending on how I he's mean, playing. maybe so. I think uh again, uh as he plays the rest of the season, if the Braves have another postseason run in him and he plays well in the postseason, I think you'll see that star uh rise up there. Maybe there defensively, he's already surpassed. Any expectations? I know people get into defensive metrics and you know all the nerd stats. I don't want to dive into that, you know, head first. You know, bore everybody to death talking about uh, defensive war and all that. But uh, he has blown past any projections for what he is saving you uh, out there in the field playing defense. And you can see, and you can see it. Like I don't need a, I don't need a defensive war stat telling me that Andrew Jones is good. I Come can on. see it, right? I don't need a defensive war stat. I mean, it puts things in perspective, I guess. But I don't need a defensive war stat to tell me what. Michael Harris is saving me out there night in and night out. I can see it with my two eyes. Uh, you know, chasing down balls in the gap. Balls that you know Adam Duvall's not tracking down if he was still playing center field. Balls that, you know, I mean, again, maybe Acuna gets there, maybe not. But you can see with your two eyeballs what he's bringing to the table. And as you said, Ben, when you come to a team like Atlanta that is is stacked with talent. Loaded. Stacked with talent. What? Outside of professional pressure. Like, hey, I'm 21 years old and I'm in the big leagues. Like, Michael Harris isn't coming up to be the savior of the franchise, right? When you look around, like, you, you, when Acuna came up, Acuna was like, this is that dude. He's going to come up and put us to the next level. That was the talking points, right? Like, Acuna's going to come up. You ain't never seen anything like this kid. He's going to take us to the next level. You don't hear that with Michael Harris. Like, he is a great player, and I think he's been given that freedom. Yeah. Like, as you said, yeah. just play your game. You look around Major League Baseball. The Orioles have five of the top 100 prospects in – Top 100 prospects in Major League Baseball. They are all playing on the Orioles right now, and the Orioles are pushing towards 500. And a lot of people are going, man, we didn't see this coming. But they're putting all those guys in the lineup saying, we have to win with you right now. Or we're going to try to play. So they're having to do it. Yeah. He doesn't have to. No. If he has a good game, great. If he goes 0 for 4, you know what? That's 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 probably fine, too. That says a lot. And so for, for him to be able to come up and say, look, we're not most number one prospects when they get called up, it is you're here. Maybe you're going to grow in this role, but yeah. you're here because you're a stud. You're going to Bryce Harper gets called up. They didn't bring up Bryce Harper to say, "Hey, man, well, you're really good. Just work it out." No, you're a stud. You're a franchise player. We need you to play well, yes. so we can go to that next level. Yes. They're not telling him. I, well, maybe be, way behind the scenes, but with this roster, he doesn't need to be that. And, but he just, but he still the hardest thing to do in any sport is to stand out. Is to not just embrace your role, but to show that your role matters. You know who we really don't talk about? And it's only been a year. 
the same position that Michael Harris is playing, that was supposed to be Christian Pache. We don't That's even true. talk about Christian Pache, Mr. You 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 see. They yeah, say Michael I'm Harris, what, what, what number you want? Not uh, Andrew Jones. <laughs> you, you see what I'm saying? Because and the thing is, Andrew Jones validated. That's a nice catch. I think Kevin, it's something when I come on a loaded roster and they come to me saying, look, just just do you, youngin'. What? Just go out there and do you. You the youngest, you're the youngest player in MLB. You're the youngest, right? I, I know it ain't, it ain't now. It ain't like the Braves roster just full of thirty some years. Right. 22, 23, 24. But Kevin, I look at Michael Harris like this: If they didn't tell you he was new, just got here, could you tell? And the answer is no. no. They would have to say that's the guy that just got here. What do you mean? When Austin Riley burst on the scene, somebody take that guy just because he was going yard a lot. And I think that that's what makes a good roster. We got guys, man, that they they specialize in certain. So what do you mean? Oh, when it comes to the center field, he's a center field specialist. Watch him. He makes catches that the, that great center fielders is going is going to probably be a, a base hit. That's what yeah. he does. So I, I like I like his addition. Go off. Be that. Look, yeah. you were right. You said it. He said, give him a couple weeks. It's going to turn the corner. And, 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 it, and it only makes everybody else better when you say, look, man, we all get to shine. You know, with what we do defensively, what we do, you know what I'm saying, at the plate. And we're a freaking good team. It, it, the fact that we're a good team doing it matters. Because you don't want to be a great player on a bad team because, you know, your efforts are not going to be – it's not going to, it's not gonna, you know, matter at the end of the day. So, hey, I, I love it. Because I, I, I think that, what, like you say, Kevin, maybe the Michael Harris is of the world. Maybe the Ronald Acuna Jr. is of the world. Maybe they're helping guys get called up quicker on other teams. Like, yeah. dude, why wait anymore? Yeah. If we stink – let us go ahead and get some of these guys because Ian Anderson already has postseason experience. You know why? Because he got called up during the COVID year. And I know BJ, it's too early. No, the guy got called up. First game against the Yankees. Second game start was against the freaking Red Sox. He's ready. <laughs> he, he, he can handle the post. Yeah, he's ready. Uh, look, I, I'm excited to see where that kid uh, continues to develop and takes it. Braves and Cardinals coming up. Braves going for four in a row and trying to sweep them on out of Atlanta. We got more to come here. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network.